Hey, no sketch this weekend for real. Uh, this weekend. Why do I keep saying it? I said it last week. I said this weekend. The thing I know is that you guys skip over these. So I was trying to make it so that you guys wouldn't skip over these. Because I know that the first six minutes of my podcast are gone. Right now you've already, you've already gone. There's only like ten of you listening to this. Which stinks. Because here's where I tell you where I'm going to be performing. And I know that you guys come out and see me perform, but I just wish everyone knew because sometimes I get emails like, hey, man, when are you coming to Boston? <laughs> January 21st. I'm at the Wilbur Theater. I didn't know that. You should put those in your podcast. I do. Uh, tour dates, Oxnard, Stress Factory, um, American Comedy Company, Wilbur Theater, Buffalo, um, Helium. That'll take you all the way to the end of January right there. So if you're in those places, go to those places. Uh-oh. I'm just fucking exhausted. I was touring really hard these last three weeks in a row with Tampa and India and, and Fort Lauderdale. And I fucking Fort Lauderdale was a grind. I got to meet Dan Marino and show him my dick. There's a great clip out there, the audio. It's on Paul and Young Ron's last uh, trip what show finale. Comedy off Broadway, Parlor Live, Bellevue, Laugh Out Loud, San Antonio. Because for everyone that says, when are you coming to Texas? That is the very last week of February. My calendar is packed, to be dead honest with you. And I'm really excited. I'm doing all new material on the road. I I, uh, am really happy with the material I'm doing. I don't know if that is the way to do stand-up. I feel like it is the norm of it now. And um, I turn over material pretty quickly anyway, but I would probably have done some sprinkled in older stuff uh, that I like only to put on a better show. But, you know, I think comedy fans really enjoy seeing the comics write. And I don't have a problem with writing. And I think it's making me a better comic. It's definitely making me stronger right now. I'm performing a whole new hour. Except I'll do the machine story if people want to hear the machine story. I'm not drinking right now and I can feel it. I can really feel it. For the first time in my life, I'm like... Fuck, man. Like, I'm on edge. I could use a cocktail. Isla was driving me up the fucking wall today. She's in this... She's been going fucking crazy lately, and she does not listen. Like, to the point where I think I'm going to get her hearing tested. Uh, So, yeah. I think that's it. Oh, check out this app. It's called Laughable. Uh, it's just Laughable. Um, I am, full disclosure, I am working with them. But I'm only working with them because I like the app. So if you're a podcast fan like myself, you're going to love this app. What you do is you can get your podcast there. That's simple. Um, Just like the fucking any other app, you get your podcast there. But more importantly, if you are, and I know you are, I know that you're fan directed. I know that depending on the fan I have, that you guys go follow that person and you watch them. Like a perfect example is Shane Moss. Shane Moss is great on every podcast he does. I first heard him on Getting Dug With High. Then he was on my podcast. Then he was on Ari's podcast. Then I think he did Duncan's podcast. Then he did Joe's podcast. Then he did Marin's podcast. And they're all fucking interesting. Well, why go and track them that way when you can just go to Laughable and they'll put all of Shane Moss's podcasts on one page? 
and his podcast. So then you can go peruse his podcast and then see everything else he's been on. Same thing with Rogan, man. I love when Rogan's on other podcasts. I love him on his podcast, but he was just on Ari's podcast. Ari's podcast is a good one. Laughable's great for this because Ari's podcasts are so uh, strong. He does he does like these thematic interviews. Always, it's about first jobs or getting fired or family or weight. In my case, by the way, weight loss update. I'm doing fantastic. I'm the skinniest I've been in over a year. So is Tom, by the way. But I think we're right around the same weight, and we're going to do something big. I won't announce it. I'll let someone else announce it. But we're going to do something big uh, that first week of January, right before I go to the Stress Factory in New York on the 5th, 6th, and 7th, or in Jersey, 5th, 6th, and 7th. Uh, So that'll be announced, but it'll be fun as shit. It should be really fun. Anyway, check out Laughable. Download it. Tell me if you like it. Uh, Tell me what you don't like about it. I don't think it's on Android. That's one of the notes that I've been getting that people are upset that you can't get it on Android. But I'm sure they're working on that. But... Ari and uh, Fitzsimmons and I are all working with them. I shouldn't tell them. I should. I mean, maybe they don't want to say that, but that's the truth. I don't think either of them would have a problem telling the truth. I got two shows tonight. I'm both one in the store and one at the Laugh Factory. I've been performing the Laugh Factory in probably 11 years. Uh, I definitely haven't been there since Michael Richard uh, had his. Uh, it's fucking amazing. One thing. Oh, I'm on the podcast The World. Uh, so I don't know if you know it. It's called The World. It's uh, on NPR. Go check it out. That's it. Let's start the show. Is this better than the sketches? Hit me up and let me know. I like the sketches just because they're goofy, but this is a lot easier. So if this is like even comparable to the sketches, we can just go with this with a heartfelt uh, catch-up at the beginning of every week. Um, but the Wilbur Theater is what I'm really pushing. So if you know anyone in Boston, hit them up. I want to uh, I wanna sell that out, and we're close. So... Let's sell out the Weber Theater. This let's sell it out. You know, I used to find that so pompous when uh, I was a young comic and I wasn't selling places out. And other comics were like, "Come on, guys, let's sell this out this weekend." Like they have any vested interest in your success? Like you get a cut. I mean, you get to see a good show, but that's it. If I, you're, it doesn't matter if it sells out. You're still going to see the same show. Come on, guys, don't drop the ball on this one. Let's sell this out. Uh, I got to do a shoot a video for this Wilbur Theater thing. On the 21st. That's it. I think that's it. Oh, my show, you know, my Showtime special. Go and, go and watch it. It's uh, it's airing all the time. I'm going to do a live airing of it. Where I'm just going to plug my fucking mic up next to the audio and play it for my podcast. <laughs> and then get sued out the ass. Uh, the house is finished, by the way, almost. They fucked up our stucco, so they had to come in today and redo our stucco. Our lawns are all dirt. Because they had stuff on them. So you can't use my the blower because it just blows dust everywhere. And then everyone gets allergy attacks. But uh, the house is technically finished. It's a mess right now. That's all. I appreciate you guys listening to my podcast. I appreciate you guys coming to my shows. It means a lot. Um, it really does. I love when you guys come and talk to me about the podcast. And then we talk about... Oh, we inevitably immediately start talking about other podcasts we like. <laughs> Today's guest is a perfect, laughable guest because he's been on my podcast, I think, four times, and he's been on everyone else's podcast, and this guy is the – he is the reason you should – you already know who it is, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the build-up anyway, just like I'm a real host. This guy is the reason 
stand-ups should have podcasts. He's the reason stand-up comics do so well on morning radio. He's the reason that you would have loved him on Opie and Anthony if he had ever done Opie and Anthony or even Opie or even Sam and Jim or he's just the guy. He's first of all, he is so fucking unfiltered. Second of all, he dropped, he dropped off. He was like off the grid. I'm gone and moved to upstate New York with his beautiful wife and his son. And now he's, and, and he's living such an interesting fucking life and he's opinionated. I love people that are opinionated because I'm Knox. Even if I say something edgy in here, I always counter it with, I really think they're a great person. I mean, I just have my opinions. Sometimes I can't stand myself about that. Like today on the world, they said, why am I going back to the, they said, what do you think about Putin's view on homosexuals? And part of me is like, part of me wants to say, yeah, I can't really change any of that. So I don't really fucking focus on it. <laughs> but that's not what you say on national radio. I go, I mean, I just, I do think it's horrible, but what the fuck is, what is, what am I going to do? I guess I can write a joke about it. I'll write a joke about it. I'll do that tonight. Um, but yes, check out this guy on Laughable. Uh, this is the guy that 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 app was made for because now you can go find him on any podcast he's been on, and they're all good because it's him fucking talking and ranting, and he is one hell of a fucking ranter. Um, today's podcast, ladies and gentlemen, Owen Benjamin. This is you want to start recording? Sure. Yeah. I just you liked it? Oh my god. It I was, think it uh, should be like in the Smithsonian. I, 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 I got to be honest with you. It's probably one of the – and Rogan and I said this to each other the next day we podcasted, did his podcast. And I was like, it's one of the best things I've ever been a part of on stage. It was so pure because it was like such a – so much tension like that night. And you have like the best, most honest comedians in the world all just witnessing it and riffing. Oh, oh and, and, and I mean it wasn't lost on me that it, without Bill Burr and Rogan – like I, that, I wasn't integral to that fucking moment. No, but you but, were though. You were almost like this, uh, this like power <laughs> ballad group. Like everyone had their spot. Everyone had their spot as a very accurate way. Like in in hindsight and looking at it, like I was like I didn't because I talked to Skr about it and I was like I didn't need to talk much. I could really just kind of the flaws when like is is not not to like pick apart that and I won't. But like the but the flaw would be trying to go toe-to-toe with bill burr on a subject well it's all it's like a great basketball team it's like you all did different things yeah. I, I love watching it all work because you basically represented like the lizard brain just pure <laughs> yeah you know and then bill represented the counterweight where every time people would get mean he'd be like what's up with pizza and every time people would get too silly he'd be like there's a conspiracy to take your money yeah and then rogan is like everyone's dad who's like everything will be fine like his- and, and, and then i love the thing i like about Ro- like if you're going to talk about like parts of the parts of the body right like uh rogan is the is the <coughs> is the the spirit of the heart like totally he would take something and and go this is why we need this in not like this yeah. is why you need psychedelics or he, he's one step removed from everything it's almost yeah. like he's like you know people are, are talking about a football game and he's talking about the stadium yeah. you know where he's like we could do this in a parking lot and everyone's like no but red team blue team who's winning he's like why are we even here right now yeah and and, and it was just i loved uh just to show how fun you guys were having, I love how you kept being like, I have to move my mic so I don't laugh in the mic. Some guy goes, so I, this is one of those, 
I had muted him. He goes, uh, hey, man, listen to the End of the World podcast. And only tag me in it. For the record, Bert, it wasn't that fucking funny. He's like, you didn't need to laugh that hard. You're over laughing. And then I, I wanted to write back, hey, man, I'm sorry. Were you sitting on stage high as fuck with Bill Burr, Joe Rogan, and Doug Stanhope? Because well, I was. And, th- and there's an energy to that moment when you're looking at inarguably three of the greatest comics of our generation riffing about history as it's happening live live in the comedy store in like a historic place and and i'm cognizant that my laugh can annoy someone and and i'm sure that there are bill fans that don't want to hear me giggle with bill they want to just hear bill rant and so i was definitely measuring the mic and one of the greatest things one of my favorite things is when i watch the video i love that towards the end of the show i was like don't give me the mic everyone else try to talk if i will have something to say i'll grab the mic but i fucking i was ecstatic and i hadn't gotten high in a long time and and Joe passed to join around on stage the second we got out, and everyone except for Bill hit it. Yeah, and then Jeffries brings his kid. Like <laughs> it was it literally, insane. it was as if it was a cartoon fantasy of what comedians could do together. I, I said and then that you, to- yeah, and then Stanhope is like representing almost like the self destructive nature of comedians, but like then saying the most profound shit imaginable. And then Sarah Tiana comes in and just, you know, it was all, and then Morgan Murphy represented like the, like LA's voice of what was happening politically. You know, it was like, and it was all happening in LA, like the capital of the hunger games, you know? (laughs) And it's like, you have like these people that transcend the districts. Like all you dudes are like, you tour in District 12, District 4, the Capitol. That's the crazy thing that, see, I love Morgan and I love Sarah, but the one thing they didn't get that Bill was trying to explain to them that I was understanding, but I couldn't, I definitely got very fucked up towards the end of that podcast. But the one thing he, he's saying is you have to go in the middle of this country. You're, you're telling me right. these people are invalid. You're right. calling all these places, like, it was a big sweeping red area. He's like, you're calling them all racist, sexist, rape apologists. Yeah, I did and a he, tweet the other day. I go, either 60 million people are secretly in the KKK or something else is going on. And, and, like, and, yeah, like, clearly there's a miscommunication here. And Morgan, and I don't, and I, by the way, once again, for a, a million times I'll say, I love Morgan. I think that yeah. the way she looks at the world is healthy. And that is... That is, there's nothing wrong with it. However, she has no problem. Her first tweet of the night was, fuck the United States. I'm so glad I don't live there. Hashtag LA. And, and, and oddly, that's almost true. It's like, LA, yeah. I did a set last night at the improv. And dude, I got, I like started ripping into the crowd a little. I literally felt like I was at the capital of Hunger Games improv where everybody is looking at me. They're not like bad people. I like love them, but it's like, they don't know what's outside the walls, even if they see it on the news or sometimes travel, because these people always vacation to beautiful places. Yeah. Only comedians and military and like porn stars go to like Cincinnati in the winter, you know. And and I was in I was in Ohio the week before the election, and I was going I was doing press for the special, which is airing all the time on Showtime, guys. Um, but I was in New York, and they were like, "Do you think Trump will take Ohio?" And I go, "A hundred percent." I was just in Toledo and in Dayton, and I made a joke about Trump in Dayton, and they booed me. And I was like, "He is de- he will not take Cleveland or Columbus, but man, he will take the rest of Ohio totally." And he, and he did. And I was like, I was like, 
it's it's so funny. You know, one of the other things I said is that it's the arrogance of the media to think that because you're liberal, you are immediately smarter than anyone who would be conservative. So like a very conservative, borderline racist thing to say, which is, by the way, not bred out of hatred. It's bred out of experience is that the media was saying, well, the Latinos in Florida will vote against Trump. They're assuming that because someone's Cuban, they empathize with someone who's Mexican. That is the could not be further it's from the, the fucking truth. The left has become and I was always a proud Democrat and, and now I'm really not because it's flipped as far as who sounds bigoted to me. Dude, the, the liberals have taken this stance of you are everyone's ra- if you're white, you're racist. If you're and like and I when they said that I grew up in Florida and right. and one of the major fucking differences between uh, the Cuban experience in America and the Mexican experience in America is once you're Cuban and you set foot on American territory, you are immediately a citizen. Right. And as a Cuban, once you st- or as a Mexican, once you set foot on a on American territory, you are ma- Ill- immediately illegal. Right. And Castro is is left of Sanders, so yeah. like a lot of Cubans are really Republican. Yeah. And so and that I, that drove me fucking nuts that they would assume. That like, bec- that- dude. They thought Kumail and Kunal were the same guy in a Salon article. Yeah, like, like it's 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 bonkers. How it's, and it's, and they also yeah. think that that minorities are so they're such dumb sheep that like seeing Hillary with like LeBron James means she just locked the black vote. And it's yeah. like a third of Mexicans still voted for Trump. It's like it it doesn't because they treat everyone like children. Where it's like they'll Hillary will protect you, and people are like. Bitch, I got guns, you know. Yeah, and and it's the thing that makes me sad is seeing people think that white people are all voting against their like minority group, and I'm I almost want to be like, on behalf of white people, like we don't hate you guys at all. Like that's, that's all. The, that's such a. It's actually the opposite. Like the yeah. media is ap- absolutely flipped it on its head. Yeah, you know, like military comedians, like people that actually work side by side with all. Races, religions. I don't get ages. to say what color comes to my show. I've got. I created an art form for everyone. My voice is not for white men. It's right. for everyone of that course. shows up in my room. Of course. And and by the way, have you noticed that the most annoying are the all white rich people? They're the ones that I do a bit about how black dudes are the only people that um, can be honest in songs. You know, I do yeah. like I'll make love to you like you want me to, and I'll hold you tight all through the night. I'm like the one, not those <laughs> nights, not these nights, not your body's a fucking wonderland. Yeah. I'm like what? I'm like white people are pathetic. You know, I'm like I'm like every one of our songs is like every night in my dreams. I'm like black people are like I only call you when it's half past five. The only ten. I'm like, and I'm doing this shit. And if you do it with even if there's ten percent black people, you're fine. But yeah. if it's like less than five percent. They look at me like I'm a racist. I'm like, I'm saying how good they have it with that. Yeah. Like, it's just bringing up another race. And, and it wound people up to vote, to vote for the orange, you know? Like, Dude. Trump, like, people, no one was like, oh, man, I love everything he's saying. Everyone was like, I'm voting against a culture that's lost its fucking mind. Like, Caitlyn Jenner is not more of a woman than my mother. Sorry. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Like my phys- I, my physics buddy was like, she hasn't been a woman for a whole year. How could she be woman of the year? Yeah. Like that's mathematically impossible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like it is. It is a weird. I the um, I I, I was saying on stage. I go the reason these because they're saying that it's it's white young white educated men who voted for Trump and across the country. Cause they were it's, just in colleges having to fucking bite their tongue because of safe spaces and shit. 
It's guys who, who feel like they took away the word midget too quickly. Right. They're like, I wasn't done saying that. A retarded. Yeah. I even get retard. I don't, I don't mind retard, but like I, I get the argument that's a, a pejorative. But like retarded is such an ex- existing word that means what everyone is saying it means. It I means can't, a- you can't even say it. You can't even say it about like I, I, I forget. I wish I could remember the exact sentence. But the word I needed to use was to explain the situation that was about an object. But right. It was or was not. It was underdeveloped. It, had nothing, it was right. It was the word was retarded. That was the word I needed to use, but I chose not to and dance around the subject to, and chose not to tell people what i needed to say Dude. and i was like and i was like but now, now i'm guilty of the pc hardcore pc because there's words i took out of my vernacular just because i was like well fuck i don't want to fuck with a young kid who's going through sexuality so i'll stop saying the f word you know like but there right. are guys in this country who who legit were like you took it away too quick man i wasn't done <laughs> dude people get weird about the word niggardly that's from the 16th century it means cheap yeah I- you're the one that told me that that uh, the definition of of faggot was a bothersome woman. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a <laughs> a bundle of sticks. It was a burdensome person, and a lot of times it was uh, like a wasted guy or like a postmenopausal woman. And then I, I I actually did get the joke. I like that. It's funny. I re-listened to one of our last podcasts, and you gave me some good shit about duck dicks and stuff. <laughs> like it's so cool when you can just like riff with friends and they can yeah. like help you like like. But the faggot jokes worked out because. Um, because because the, the joke the joke is that it, you know I, I I just try to make people know that we're not born hateful we're just born not capable of fast change I'm like we still say God bless you from the fucking plague yeah you know and I'm like faggot didn't mean gay people it meant like a burden like like that Led Zeppelin uh, album cover like you got the burden on your back and back when we were agriculture without farm equipment you needed like fifty kids or else you starved. So when one kid was like, I just want to tap dance with Steve all day, it's like, you're a burden, you know? <laughs> like, so the gay kids were the burdens. And then now that we're no longer agricultural, we're service-based, now gay people are at the top of the food chain, and the new faggot is babies. Oh, that's right. That's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now, and so that will start getting, like, people at that point are like, whoa, okay. And then it, the punchline now is, uh, like, all my gay friends are killing it. You know, they're all like rip they're 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 like inventing apps they're having a rave at a castle and they call me and they're like we're having a rave at a castle and i'm like can i come they're like yeah but don't bring your little faggot baby what it's (laughs) it's interesting that the that the that the i find that the that i find media to be useless oh it's useless it's 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 kardashians with bombs it's it's people who by the way the people reading it are the most the most fucking lame intellectually lame people i've fucked hosts before like news anchors nice they're fucking they're pointless they're they're so shallow and all they're looking for is a sense of validation by the way this is something i went over in therapy today because i because i'm i want to i'll talk to you about it in a second but let's get because because i was thinking about our podcast before in therapy but they're just looking for whatever their sense of validation is. And for them, it is to be in front of a camera. That everyone that it needs to be in front of a camera is 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 usually, I'd say 80% is uh, a validation first 
uh, art second. Right. If you're a news anchor, there's you're, those aren't even your words. There's no art in that. There's no art in being. Wow. There's no well, dude. The, the addiction of validation is almost the root of everything bad right now, dude. Where it's almost like like I'll have people publicly shame me for like. I, I, did I tell you the story where I was like, uh, women are on Twitter, so that means all the dishes are done. Like it's like a funny joke, and and these dudes were like, "How dare you, blah blah," and then they'd be apologizing in my DM, but publicly bashing me. And and recently, oh, a, a girl a, did the same thing. Joke. I was like, recently, I uh, I was I was just lonely, missing my wife and son, and I was like, man, I, I you could be alone in a mansion and not feel as good as being with your people under a bridge. I'm like, there's a difference between a house and a home. And someone's like, excuse me. And this is someone with a blue check mark, like a, like a girl like writes for a big show or something. She was like, you know, I have uh, family members that are homeless and they would much rather have a shower. And I was like, I was very calm though. I no longer like battle these people. I'm just like, no, I think you misinterpreted me. I wasn't saying you know i was sarcastic at first i'm like yeah god forbid i have a different point of view god forbid maybe i used to live in the czech republic where 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 gypsies would call someone who owns a house a fucking pussy you know i'm like maybe i just miss my wife and son and then eventually she just dm me an apology but never public never public no because she has to uh uh appeal to that like validation that she's one of the good ones morally she she can't say publicly like what she wants to say she right because if she does she loses what is her validation what is her fan base the people that pay her check i I wish i knew the woman was but i got into it's interesting that's so like there's a i got into a little bit of a twitter i would say not even a dust up. Was Not that the even. one when I stepped in and had your back a little? Dude, yesterday. Yeah. And the fu- and I, and I was like, I didn't realize how big their podcast. I don't. I guess their podcast is big. Oh no, I was talking about like two two days ago. Someone was talking shit to you about stealing something, oh. and I was oh, like, shut no, the fuck oh, up. That I got so, a little vicious. So that but I still tried to jerk off to it. The um, that's really interesting. You said that. <laughs> so that that person I think was is probably mentally in, unstable. I didn't even reply yeah. to them. I, I just I that one thing I was like. And then they, I, she sent me an email, but I just was like, I'm going to stay away from people like that. It's like, just because she said she was a comic. I felt real like, because you're my friend and I know that you're like, that's who, of- the, her, the whole, the whole theory was that I was scouring the internet for people with 17 views on videos and then stealing their bits. And by the way, it wasn't even a bit. I don't even know. I never even listened to the Rogan episode. It was a conversation. It would be like, it would be like a conversation like this. And someone was like, hold on one second. I have a thing about fighting with people on the internet, You're right. like, yeah, but we're just talking. We're not, right. we're not running bits, and you'd never run a bit on Rogan. So I was like, yeah. I'm not even, I'm not even going to touch it. No, the other one I got into is yesterday. Is the uh, this guy? Um, I won't say his name, but he's a he's a black dude, and he's got like a show, and he did a rant about the pin, which I totally agree with. By the way, I totally agreed with his rant. I, there wasn't a part of his rant I didn't like or didn't enjoy. It was just the fact, like the one. That it's a safety pin. You no, know, it's a safety pin. But and it's and it, the whole premise, if you don't know, is uh, liberals are wearing safety pins to let people of color know they're safe being around them. Right. Which oh. is the first thing you do if you're a serial killer is get a safety pin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like serial killer 101. What makes people feel safe? Do that. Get a dog. Get a safety pin. Go to work. What a fucking arrogant, arrogant thing to do is to put a pin so that you so that people of color who now you are deeming softer weaker than you of course know that they can come to you and go and go hey 
You're you're okay around me. I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to turn you in. You're one. I'll I'll take care of you. Get under my wing. Right. What the fuck? I would never do that in a million fucking years. And that was his point. It was how arrogant. It was a really so good, arrogant. But yeah. the only thing he said in his point was, and now you got white. You got white people. You got. I, I guess they just walking into Pottery Barn, throwing down a dollar, getting five safety pins. And I wrote. I just wrote, this is a message coming from a man who's clearly never been to Pottery Barn. Hilarious. They, they don't sell pins at fucking Pottery That's Barn. That's so fucking funny, dude. But then, but then he comes back at like... At People like, going into Hot Topic buying cars. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> I don't think you've been to Hot Topic. And then he and then he comes back at, with like... And by the way, he's a comic. I'm not fucking shitting on him. I actually think it's the person who runs the Twitter for this, this, this team. Um, someone else, I think, wrote this. Because uh, it was a horribly misspelled, but it was a it was a slight at my sexuality because I would because I know they don't sell pins at Pottery Barn, so I must be gay because this from a man who's actually proud to say he knows what Pottery Barn is, and I'm like right whatever, and then I wrote be, be like then, if, or or just married yeah I, that's what I wrote I went actually yes I'm currently going through a renovation and I have my eye on their Andover cabinet yeah. <laughs> By the way, if you're married long enough, you start feeling kind of gay. Dude, I went through Pottery Barn yesterday to look for uh, side tables for our bed. Bro, I peruse Pinterest. <laughs> like, I'll be on Pinterest, like, pinning shit. Like, oh, that's the kind of outdoor sauna I really... All right, so anyway, so what happened then? Uh, then it, and then uh, some one of his fans was like, oh, we're about to attack you, Bert. Like, they didn't know my name, but they tagged me in it. You're about to... You fucked with the wrong people. Is uh, I wish I could just say the name of the people. Just I want to keep it out of it so I don't. Because I like I like I ended up I like the guy's rant. I like the guy's rant. It's a good just rant. One fucking thing about Pottery Barn. So and I don't, I don't care to ever. So this get is no almost beef. like a gang thing between Pottery Barn and Crate and Barrel. And yeah, and he and they've got a, a popular podcast. I think I don't know how big it is actually, but it's I think it's a pretty big podcast. And, I'm dying to know who it is. The fucking Donald Trump one. Yeah, hang on. Here Dude, we go. Are and, stupid. All right, I just told <laughs> we took a tad bit of a pause, but I had to tell Owen who it was. Yeah. Um but yeah, and so I just find I find there to be arrogance in it, it's this Matt Fultron called it coastal elites. Nice. He's like, I'm a coastal elite. I get it. But we were in Baltimore. Dude Baltimore's like a fucking that, that's a real fucking city it's a real city it's homeless people touch you in baltimore right like and so like there's no there's no there's there's no uh there's no like hipster protest there it's actually not, there was when we, there was a hipster protest <laughs> Dude, well that's good made that us means late for the show the real estate's going up then in baltimore <laughs> yeah. well under armor is a major factor oh yeah the, the <laughs> because that city 10 years ago they're if if you don't have a dick to suck for crack, like you might get beat up. Baltimore is <laughs> fascinating. I'm oh, and by the way, the thing I love about Baltimore, I perform at the Comedy Factory there, which is predominantly an urban club. Right, but it's probably awesome, right? When I go there, it is. It you definitely have an urban factor. Like there's definitely a ten top of of. 60 year old black people yeah which is my which is my fucking favorite yeah 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 no they're amazing and and then you'll have you'll have like uh like you know 
<clears throat> it's the weird thing about, and I hate to say this like like I know something about something, but in my experience as a comic, the interesting thing that you get about black people is a lot of times like the aunt, the mom, and their two daughters will all go out for a night. And you don't see that so much with white people. No. Like you just, but it's like they, it's like their girl's night, but it's all family. So when you, and they love fucking, and so when you talk to one of them, it's fucking gangbusters as opposed to like what white people immediately do is he- head in the hand, that's my mother. And you're like, oh, why the fuck would you go out here with your mom? But right. Like, Dude, it's like, that's why I love OGs the best, like those kind of older black dudes, because, because they're like annoyed by the, the young guys a little bit. They're yeah. like, be like, motherfucker, we got bit by dogs, you know? <laughs> and these dudes are like, excuse me. Excuse, like, I, one time I, I ran that a little situation during the Super Bowl with that Beyonce tweet about how I didn't appreciate her, uh, KK, or, uh, I compared the Black Panthers to the KKK. Yeah. And, um, you know, on paper, I still stand behind it, but you got to think motivations and intent. Yeah. That's why I apologize because one is an act of suppression, one's an act of self-preservation. But in the end of the day, they are still like hateful race groups. But yeah. anyway, so I um, I got so hived by the Beyonce people that I had two. Uh, no, I had one former Black Panther on my podcast, and then another like young Black Lives Matter guy, two different times. And it's so funny, like they have a riff too. Really? Well, I mean, the young dudes are talking about, get, you know, it's just that they have a different set of problems. Like, a lot of the older dudes are like, bitch, like, we got a lot of shit now. You know, like, yeah. back in our day, like, cops could just, like, kill us. Yeah. You know, it's almost like my mom was uh, the first woman to go to college from her hometown, and um, she's a quote-unquote feminist, but, like, the way she sees modern feminism, she's like, what the fuck are they talking about? Like, we fought so that we could, like, swim in the same pool, you know, so nowadays when it's like that whole extended eye contact is an act of rape stuff, like they're, they're like you're 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 taking our movement and making it sound ridiculous. You yeah. know, there's and there's parts there's part of me that goes like like it's. Uh, yeah, I, I, I the f- the feminist movement. I feel like, yeah, like um, this is. This is a bad analogy. But this, I'm trying to I'm trying to analogize this. Like, you ever see someone who works so hard on their yard? You go, "Wow, your yard looks really good." Yeah. But they don't have a job, and so they just they like that. But they get up every morning and they keep working on the yard, and almost like they they overdo it. You're like you're like, man, it looked good. It's too much now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that's so exactly it. Because I feel like saying I feel like. I have a friend who's recently who's passed, and he one of his things was, "I'll never, you'll never get me to go ideology first because once I do that, I lose track of who the fuck I am." And some of some of these feminists, and, so, and I'm probably talking of the uber uber right or left wing feminists, I think they forget that there is there are women that aren't in Portland, right? There's women in this world that are are I I would imagine I would hope. That if I had a movement, I don't because I'm a white man. I don't have any movement. I was born without a movement. I was born to say, just shut the fuck up. The only movements we can have are bowel movements. Yeah, like I've never stood up for anything because I'm of self-interest. I just haven't. 
that's right. not the way white men work. No. You can't speak up for your own self-interest. You can. I think sometimes you look like a fucking idiot. Yeah. Like, Gavin McGinnis, I fucking watch him all the time. He's Stephen so entertaining. Crowder, Stephen Crowder speaks up for white men. I watch him. I'm just not going to do this shit. Like, I'll do bits about, uh, about like, sexism against men, but it's, like, one, 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 one I do one, but I keep them silly, so it's not like, like, one, I'm like, uh, Ladies, you ever think about the fact it's okay for women to say deeper during sex? I'm like, you ever think about that? We're like, you like that? Approval? Please yeah. approve of me? Deeper. It's like, like this? Deeper. It's like, you think we're fucking holding out on you? <laughs> I'm like, the fact you say deeper means you think that we have more dick we're keeping from you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, imagine if we said tighter. Like, you'd murder us and everyone would cheer. I'm yeah. like, we're going as deep as we can from our first pump to our last pump, and I want that on my tombstone. I'm it's- like, but the reason dudes are so awesome is not only are we not offended, we think it's hot because it's a direct command. Yeah. You're like, deeper. We're like, I'll lose some weight. I'll trim some pubes. I got another quarter inch in there. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, that's the difference because it's like dudes don't really like think, like, how do I self-victimize myself all the time? I, I find that like this, this alt right movement that's going on where it's this uh white nationalism where they're saying there's racism against white people white people not really like not right yeah i don't i I can't i I can't agree with that either right no i can't i can't go to bat with you i would love to i would love to have a movement that i could attach myself to but i can't because i'm not i'm not i'll tell you right now i'm sitting in a room for money talking to a friend there are totally. six Mexicans destroy, killing themselves in there to make sure that my house is nice. And that, that is, there is, there is, I, that is, that is inherent in the way our socioeconomic breakdown cuts in. And that has to do, I believe that white privilege is a real thing. I believe that I know that I, that my path in life has been a tad bit easier because I was born with, I was born with an easier path. I do believe that. Right. And it's like it's good you see that because it's like a lot of people they're they're binary they're, it's madness or madness you know because yeah. it's like the, there's, there's a mid, there's a middle ground between this Trump and Hillary thing there's a middle ground totally just fucking good people who see both sides of the argument yeah 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 absolutely it's like when you get pulled over by a cop in Brentwood it's way better to be white fact but yeah. in like most parts of like all those places that went red they don't even know what that is because everyone's white. And it's like, so they don't know that. It's like the major white privilege happens in brackish waters where you have a lot of money and a lot of minorities that like uh, might be in desperate situations because that's like a powder keg. You have like paranoia, cops are pulling guns, you know, but it's not because like one group is just inherently bad. It's all based on, you know, social structure. And that's why I love your opinion. I'm the same way. That's why I can't have a political party because... You know, liberals will try and change things that don't need change and conservatives won't change when there has to be change sometimes because they're on these paths that they can't stop. Like conservatives sometimes are like, no, we have to stay just like how it is right now. It's like stem cell, sir. Gay marriage, sir. It's like, no, now just this. And then liberals are like, okay, we got everything we wanted two years ago, but we still are defined by change. So now we need another bathroom put into a local bakery, even though there isn't a bathroom you know, for trans people, even though there isn't a bathroom for moms, like my fucking, I see my wife with a little baby, like trying to change a shitty diaper. You're telling me someone who just cut his dick off because he's worth a billion dollars and his board has a right to a bathroom ahead of a mom with a shitting baby on an airplane. Like it's there, there is a, there is a bizarre, like I, I want that's a really interesting thing that you said where you go now that we've got all we have, but we're, our, our ideology is all about change. So right. We have to keep changing. We have to keep changing. There's there is no end game to this. There will never be 
an end game to equality. There will never be equality. I think to an, to some extent there it's there is a narcissistic belief in the liberal side where you know a narcissist it's not about them feeling good they have to put down others. Right. And I think in a weird way I don't know what liberals would do if everyone just said, "Yeah, we're all cool with that." They'd be like, "Well, hold on." No, no, and then then no, no, no. I want more then. Like right. like they want they're they it's just like fucking unbreakable with fucking Bruce Willis and the villain. The villain can't exist without the hero and the hero can't exist without the villain. Of course. It's also like the Joker where it's like, be like, I'm like a dog chasing a tire. What do I do if I get it? You know? Yeah. It's like the action is the movement. And like, so by definition, it's a Ponzi scheme. It has to have constant expansion or it falls apart. And we witnessed the Ponzi scheme. We witnessed people who voted for a black man twice being called racist because they now don't think that anything happened. Like, they're like, wait a minute. So now people are even more upset about more things. And like, when does it end? Like, when I, I, I was pitching one of my buddies, uh, this black comedian is a genius. I was pitching him a sketch idea. Is it Roy Wood Jr.? <laughs> no, uh, uh, Trayvon Free. You know Trayvon? Uh, no. I was, uh, he was doing a joke. He was talking about um, some cab stuff. And I was like, dude, how funny would a sketch be? Where, like, how many is enough? Where if you're, like, a cab, like, white guys have to, like, not pick up, like, 40 white guys for black guys. Yeah. And the number's 40. <laughs> and then we're good. Yeah. You know, like, like a, a quantitative thing that can end the constant, like, not enough, not enough, not enough, not enough. Because- it would be cool if there was a quantitative number that you could hit. Just like on my Fitbit, I have a goal, 12,000 steps every day. You ever, jerked, you that, ever jerked with it? You can totally see my spikes. <laughs> <laughs> Takes me 1.2 miles to come. I, uh, I was, I was wiping spikes. my ass. I was wiping my ass aggressively yesterday, and I, <laughs> I hit seven steps, extra steps. That's hysterical, I, dude. Uh, but there is, it would be cool if there was a quantitative number. The thing I look at is that I go, and, and, and by the way, I also realize – I don't have much of a right to talk about the feminist movement because I'm a dude and I don't know what it's like to be a woman in this world. But you can talk about how you feel from them. I totally get what you're saying. I've yeah. learned the same thing. I'm like, being black in a city, I'm like, I don't fucking know what that feels like. I don't like. know a fucking thing about I don't know what it's like to be pulled over as a black man. I don't yeah. know what it's like to have a wom- be a woman and like just be eye-fucked by my scumbag friends at a bar. Like, It must be terrifying. Like, yeah. I, I am a feminist in a lot of ways, but not in the ways that like once they start infringing on my sanctity of just being able to be a normal non-aggressive man you know i think that that's when that's when you can comment about like what feminism is when you're like when they start pissing in your yard and you're like ladies i haven't done anything to you my friends don't do anything to you you can't start telling me that just because i have a dick i'm an it's an act of patriarchy and rape or some shit like fuck you i know i don't understand these uh the new word cuck, I love that word I, because I am a fucking straight up cuck. Totally. I've, I've been cuckolded before in my life. I've definitely been cuckolded and I've, I identify with that word so much. Those fucking meatheads went into a bar with Kumail and his friend yeah. and they called them cucks. And I felt like going, I would, if I had been there, I'm gar- almost guaranteed you chubby. I'm definitely bigger than the fucking guys that came up to Kumail. I would have gotten in their faces and been like, I'm a fucking cuck. Right. What's up? What are you going to do about oh, that? Yeah, I've been a cuck my whole fucking life. Dude, it's like that with gay shit, too. Like, sometimes someone's like, oh, you're a fag. Like, some, like, little dude. And some, like, fucking Marine with PTSD comes out, and he's like, I'm gay, too. Yeah. What the fuck did you just say? Dude, Do you I, think it means you're fucking weak to be a cuck or, like, gay? And I'm not saying that it's that Kumail and his buddy didn't oh, do the right thing not. by walking the fuck of away. Of course not, yeah. That's the right thing. Of course. But I just, I would be like, I, would, I don't take that as offense, but... um. 
Oh, fuck. What was the thing I was saying? The terms. We're talking about the term cock. You don't know what certain terms. Were you like, where do these terms come from? Um, I Yeah, I don't know. I got kind of fucking off on a rant. But my point is like, like I, once again, I don't, I, I don't claim to speak anything of feminism other than my perception of it. And I just, I, sometimes I say, have we, for, have we forgotten how horrible women's rights are in other parts of the world? Right. Like, I mean, like, I think we've got this plate spinning. Like, I think we're good. We're good. I mean, I think there's a, still a, lo- a long way to go with, with, I, from what it sounds like with rape culture. Oh, oh I know what I was going to say. From what it sounds like with rape culture, I still think there's a very long way to go, and I think that it's there's a different dialogue that needs to happen um, to kind of make real leaps and bounds and change. But like, I don't understand these dudes who like who like disidentify with who they are and then become the like almost like it's almost like like uh, the guys who are like they're like I I hate men. Men are horrible, and they're a man. Uh, men it's are like horrible. Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, you know, like, like when when you're kidnapped and you start like feeling like you're, you, you, it's like you're happy you're kidnapped. Where like you're now not identifying with your own self. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with being a man. Like, and a lot of women I like love me- being a man. I love it. I, I love being a man, dude. dude. It is, and my wife loves that. I love being a man. Like if I acted, and she went to USC for masters in engineering. That's another thing. Like I'll talk about how she loves staying home with the baby and just being a wife. Like, and people are like, yeah, like they look at me and say little shitty things, almost like I'm oppressing her. And I'm like, she told me how, like with tears in her eyes, how much it meant to her that she trusts me enough to be home. Because she, like, had a career because she didn't want to be abandoned and be, like, left. Like, if a guy abandoned her, she'd be fucked. She's like, but now I know you won't and you can provide for us. So, like, I'm so happy I can spend time with our child. Oh, my wife wife had a very successful career as a screenwriter. And when she got pregnant, bailed. She goes, my responsibility are these children. That's so great, And I was like, and I was, I was like... Fuck! I'm a. I, I learned this today. I'm a primary narcissist. So, uh, <laughs> I'm a secondary narcissist. That's why I like hanging with you. <laughs> I, I love. <laughs> I just am very like a child. I don't realize. Sometimes I don't realize. My wife calls it casting a big wake, but I don't realize that there's <laughs> other people involved in things. Sometimes, bro, that's uh, it's so charming though. I think that's why people pay to see it because they're like, I just want to see what I like want to be, but I've like put it down so much with like 401ks and fucking pottery barn runs imagine if you had never gotten tethered and you just were like like imagine if you were all like not this sounds horrible but imagine if maybe this is an analogy for what i do i don't even know that i do stand up i feel like sometimes i'm the horse that fucking that that was left in the forest and then I come back and I see all the horses behind the fence and I go, hey, and I knock the f- two things right. off. I go, let's go run for the night. And everyone gets to be wild horses. And a lot of people have to go, hey, it's Monday morning. I have to go back. But I'm st- there's a loneliness to being out in the forest by yourself. Dude. Like, when you're getting on a plane drinking by yourself as that one horse sprinting. <laughs> oh, my God. I've had – especially – same with being a comedian. Like I've had moments where – like after I host the Art Director Guild Awards and like – you know, the DiCaprios and the Anne Hathaways and the Scorseses of the world literally treat me like a god. They're like, you're so funny, man. Your your whole career changed after tonight. I'm like, no, nah, man. No. I'm the whore in the forest. <laughs> like, I'll come in and I'll electrify a thousand room 
like a thousand of the most powerful people in Hollywood three years in a row, just electrify them. And then after nothing, we all just go back to our little places. And mine is like that. We have autonomy and freedom as a comedian, but we yeah. don't have the, the stable like that. The other horses have yeah. where they're like part of this bigger thing. And we're just like, come to the woods. And then they like they see our honesty. They're like, he believes what he's saying. Like he's in that moment. Oh, well, there's something beautiful to that horse, but from a distance, right? From, like, a, distance. from a distance, you look at him and running in the forest, and you're like, God damn it, man, that must be cool. No fucking rules. No rules whatsoever. Do what you want, and and come knock us out of the stable every now and then, so we get to run with you. But when you get close to that horse, you're like, oh fuck, no one's combed him. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, shit. He's been out in the rain, and there's mud all... His hoofs are all broken. <laughs> Fuck, man. His teeth are fucking shit. He's like... And you're like, this is not a bad-looking horse. I mean, but like... And then there's people that are, are that horse, but they're so concerned with what they look like. I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I, I, well, the one thing I learned in therapy today was I usually shit on people I- internally, uh, on people who seek fame over over art. Like yeah, and then I externally shit on it. Yeah, like like I have some friends who um who like you know the red carpet horse. Like if they, if they can get in, like they're calling their agent. I would never call my agent to get me on a red carpet ever. Fucking I ever. never. Even if I'm in a movie or something, I won't go on the red. I think it's insanely awkward. It's I've done it before, and it is the most. Who are you? Who are you? Say your name. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, I'm Bert Kreischer. Look here, what, look here, why? look here, look here. Why, who are you here? Why are you yeah. here? And you're like, I'm. I have a show on Spike. And, and I'm trying picture. to spike right now. Yeah, I'm trying to spike, guys. And so um, but that's how people spike, though. That's like the whole thing. That's, that's the that's, whole. It's a whole fucking game. And so I said to my therapist, I was like, "It makes me sick." And then sometimes you'll see guys like that get into stand up, or girls like that get into stand up to try to. They're like, now I do stand up, and I'm not. I'm not talking about anyone specifically because, like, there's. I know that we could draw parallels and go. Is he talking about this guy? I'm not. I'm talking about collectively yeah um guys who they're like well now i do stand up and you're like oh i'm i'm a purist i'm a comic first my therapist is like hold on uh they're doing this for some sort of validation the same as you he said could you do stand up with no validation and i was like he's like why did you get into stand up i realized today i did not get into stand up i mean i loved stand up i loved comedy but i didn't get into it because i was an artist with the words i got into it because i needed validation I needed the laughter. I think I figured something out. It's a, it's a, it's, it's almost. This is so perfect. It's almost like the difference between Hillary and Trump. Not policy. Forget policy. It's you're disgusted by people who seek validation from a group of people that you like. You seek validation from just humans. Yeah. Or you could go into any room, Ohio, Florida, Hollywood, doesn't matter, and you just see people and you're like, I want validation from the human soul versus validation from people who can help your career. And that's where the toxic is. Yes. Where you're, no, totally. Where it's like people that only fave like, tweets coming at them from famous people, like they don't care about anyone else except for when they see a blue check mark, they're like, oh, I'll talk to you. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, that... That is different. It's a different type of validation. It's validation from like just this lizard elite that like you only want things from. It's right out of Lord of the Rings. It's like 
you want a precious th- that's why i left la i live in the country i live on top of a mountain i'm with, dying to talk to you about that because because i didn't want to be a hypocrite i'm like am i in a ponzi scheme yes i was just on a successful sitcom for three years i've had two comedy central specials and my soul is aching for more yeah and i'm like so that means there's something crazy wrong here and not wrong with la and not wrong with like the entertainment industry it's like I wanted to be around my brother and I wanted my son to have like a, a more peaceful existence. And I'm like, so what the fuck am I doing here? So I bailed. I, I, I watch you on, I must be Instagram. Yeah. I do. I don't, I, I, I know that Snapchat's the biggest thing in the world. I never I, do Snapchat. I can't, I just have no interest. The people who are good at Snapchat. It's high fructose corn syrup. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, there's a cannibalization that social media does to your actual life. And for some reason, it's a good way to put it, man. I got to get into therapy, dude. My therapist, I'd get, cannibalization. You, I'd get you set up with my wow. therapist. It almost eats I, you. I, yeah. I Skype with him and I, oh. I only Skype with him. And sometimes I just go in because I, I was on a, I had a, oddly enough, my spike connected with my self-esteem and I went, whoa, that's, that's unhealthy. I was like, so wait, you're telling me that the- I saw that, yeah, when we were talking about it, because I I have uh, I have picks too that I have where yeah. I'm like, God, for me sometimes it was like retweets and stuff, and I'm like, man, I only got six faves and no retweets on a joke. I thought it was amazing, but this got a thousand retweets and it's fucking garbage. But I guess that means I'm more this other thing, and I'm like, that's bad. Yeah. Oh, it was it was unhealthy. But then I but but I when I, when. I so I, I just don't fuck around with. My whole point is Instagram doesn't cannibalize my life. It doesn't fucking make right. Me, I, I do a video. Every, I got to remind myself, and and I try to just put out something cool. My other thing I'm doing, and this is where I'm at in my head, is um I I couldn't understand once again not shitting on them. I couldn't understand the machine that makes the internal machine. That Amy Schumer, Kevin Hart, both friends of mine, but I couldn't understand where they got the fuel for that internal machine to be the cult of personality that they are. How they could be not only spokesmen for an entire generation of women, but literally a mogul. Like Kevin Hart's a fucking mogul. And I was like, I don't know if I have the fuel for that. And that was beating up my self-esteem. And then my therapist was like, it's not. Being a mogul, do you want to be a mogul? And I was you like, don't want to be a mogul. I was like, I don't want to be a mogul. And he's like, do you want to be a spokesman for anyone? And I was like, no, 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 no. He's like, what do you want? And I go, honestly, I just want to make cool shit and put it out. And people go, hey, man, I really like that. That really cheered me up. Yeah. Like, the best compliment you can get from stand-up is someone's like, they pull you aside and they're like, I needed this today. And you're like, oh my God, fuck yeah. So true. But when pe- Yeah, when people are like, you're saying stuff that I had in my head, man. Thank you. Yeah. And you're like, that's all. You don't want to be a mogul. I don't want to be any of that. And so my whole thing now is just make cool shit, put it out. And and like the podcast right now, my podcast is doing so great because I I for the first time I like for the first time and by the way, since I've had this podcast and I'll show you the numbers when I started caring about this a year ago today, roughly a year ago today, I st- I had a con- real conversation with Segura and he was like he was like just stop. If you're not into it, just stop. And I was like and then I started caring, and my numbers have increased the more I, the more I care. And I go, that's right, because this is representative of me. These are my thoughts. These are my feelings, and these are my friends, and this is how we talk. And we'll get – like I got into a fight with Ari on a podcast last night, but not a fight, but we were arguing, and Leanne came in, and Leanne had to be a part of the argument. Yeah. But that is that is what I care about. And I like it, – it, it, so I, I don't – 
my whole point is my whole point is I watch you on Instagram so I see where you live. But there's a real like there is a a real kind of like draw that I have to your life of cutting down trees and fucking and and fucking making your coasters and cooking chicken on on an open fire and your hair always being like fucking why are you putting moose in your hair when you live in the fucking woods right. and how fucking happy you and your wife and your kid look and I go Man, did I fuck it up raising my kids in LA? No, that I think exactly what you just described. That's why I didn't want to bash LA because it's like people get drawn to like someone just doing what they do. Yeah. And I'm from there. I'm from the mountains of the, you know, I'm from northern New York. Like I'm from a place where you wake up and you have six feet of snow you got to dig out of and there's some sort of pride in that. Yeah. You know, so when you go and my brother, like, like I started a podcast, Case Closed Beers Open with my brother and wife and, uh, just shot up it was in the top 100 like last week it's like it's kind of like what you're saying it was the it was the thing i did that wasn't intentional it wasn't like spike it was like my brother and me my whole life you know my brother's always like we got to do something together man we gotta we gotta like make something because he's funnier than me just isn't focused enough to package it and put it on stage but so we we solve small town mysteries and uh drink beers and we're like the butt of the joke and they're only 12 minutes long and it's like old-timey radio you know yeah like the case of the missing steps one was about the fitbit like our buddy and they're all real people this marine is like i woke up i have a hundred thousand steps and i don't remember where i was i blacked out turns out he jerked off (laughs) but like we go down crazy rabbit holes and like that the numbers like double weekly on that podcast because i think people just want to hear is this person Dude, this is the age of transparency. The more you're like, this is me, the more people are like, okay, I'm cool with that. Because it's just people are so fucking sick of being lied to for an agenda. Like people being like, hey, this is me. And my favorite product is this. And me and the girls, like, that's why Hillary didn't work. Everyone watched her. It was like, we know you're doing fucking all these studies to see what your favorite color should be. Like, we, we can smell it. Yeah, and that's one of the things that was that I think did ring true with Donald Trump is like I remember like he just seemed like he seemed like he was the no one was telling him what to say and you were like fuck man this guy's on tilt. Oh yeah, and dude, that's in the world of the public shaming, the shameless is king. Oh, in the world that's a really cuz I, I cuz that's Bill Burr. Oh, 100%. Bill Burr, I remember it's like, judge me, motherfucker. Like, it literally, it's like, because everything's a virus and an inoculation of the virus. So the virus is, how dare you? The inoculation, the antivirus is, I'll do whatever the fuck I want. So you magnify that on a presidential scale. You just got yourself Trump. So every public shaming led to this. And the fucking left will take no responsibility for what happened. They, they, I don't think the left will ever see that they caused Trump. 100%. It's a response. It's just like uh, racist cops caused the Black Lives Matter, or not Black Lives Matter, uh, go even farther back, because that's not comparable. That's a valid you know, thing, but it's all over the map. Anyway, uh, Black Panthers was caused by a group of people that didn't feel safe. So the response is vicious. You know, some of this modern feminism comes from a, a gender that doesn't feel like men say, ra- like, rape is bad. So then the response is, if you have a dick, you're bad. It's always, it's eye for an eye. It's madness for madness. So like, that's a really interesting, the, this, uh, this feminism is born out of, of our in inadequacies or, or just lack of empathy towards 
women's rights and calling out our own like i think everything would be called uh better if if people called out their own yeah. like if cops cops make mistakes you know a lot of these shootings are mistakes some of them aren't but they never like yeah that guy's a dick yeah it's just like women a lot of times feel like a like a man will commit some sort of date rape or something and and the guys still hang with the guy there isn't that like oh don't fucking do that in our community because if you do that, you don't have to have this. It's when people feel unsafe, where people feel like, kind of like growing up Catholic, when we, when you knew like kids were getting fondled, and like no one would say it. We're like, oh, so you think this is okay? Yeah. Fuck you guys. Same with like uh, the gay stuff, where it's like it, the compliance of like not. You don't have to like attack the person or whatever. It's just all men have to do is be like. If she says no, don't keep pushing. Don't make it seem like that's a cool thing to do as a man. Like, get that pussy. Get you know, like, pussy. you know, it's like have that pussy want that dick. Yeah. You know, you can still be a perv. I'm a fucking freak. Dude, but like, you got to have that consent. And then if you do that, the culture just expands in a really nice way. I cur. I. I. There. There is part of me that I, where I notice my perviness, and I'm like, I'm like, man, am I the only one? Like, the, I went to Starbucks today, and there was this girl. I don't. I couldn't even tell you what she looked like. I mean, she had blonde hair, but I'll tell you, she had like, my wife wears these boyfriend jeans. They're basically looser jeans so you can get shit done. Right. So like day jeans for working around the house. Yeah. And this girl had boyfriend jeans and she had- A down blouse? Really, no, she had really sexy lace underwear just riding up above them on one side. Like, like you know, like how guys will house their jeans and you'll see their boxers? Yeah. She had that with her underwear and I, my heart skipped a beat. I don't even know if the chick was hot, but man, just seeing that in public, I went, oh, and then I was like, okay. Now, I would love to reposition myself and get one more look at that before right. I go home. But I go, that I can't do that. I got a gift. I saw that. Right. I'm going to just go home <laughs> and fucking log that. Dude, <laughs> log. log it. Yeah, because we have 100 million sperm that know they're dying, and they have one egg a month. You know, it's it's the projects versus the the you know, big house in the country. Yeah, it's gonna have a little different a little different uh, attitude as far as aggression. You know, like our sperm are like, get us out, get us the fuck out. It's Bangladesh and the water's rising. You know, and like <laughs> we, women just have like an egg sits there with no competition for three days, just being like, ew. It's like it's literally biology. Like it, the biology is men are more just like. Jizz has to come out, and women are more like, "I want the right jizz in," because it's 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 a commodity. It's right out of economics. Yeah, you know, it's like a guy's jizz is worth seventy five bucks, but a woman every time she gets her period, she loses six grand. How much? How much do you think this is a this is a a pivot point? How much do you think Malcolm Gladwell is to blame or credit for the election of Trump? See, I've always liked Gladwell, except for this one podcast he did about comedy that I despised. What was this? He had a podcast. Yeah, that's the one. It's I, like nine out of ten are like brilliant, like especially the one about um, uh, the free throw, like conforming to oh, groups. Uh, free throw, uh, the the granny shot. Yeah, how it's more efficient, but people still won't do it. It's the in-out group monkey behavior. Yeah. But the one about satire. Uh, where he kind of shit on satire, where he's talking about how like um, Tina Fey helped get uh, Palin like accessible to the masses by making fun of her and not trashing her, and I think that's 
You're right. I think that attitude gets Trump elected because, you know, when, when Jimmy Fallon pats Trump and makes fun of his hair and everyone calls him a Nazi, people are like, that's not a Nazi, buddy. Now I don't trust anything out of your fucking mouth. Yeah. Like, you got to be able to joke with people. And I just don't think he understands comedy. Who, Malcolm? Yeah. Um, yeah, but he did this thing where, like, he said, he, I, I used to have a joke. I'm not a racist. I'm an economist. Yeah. Like, I don't believe in inherent truths based on skin color. Right. I take a look at numbers. If that's want, where Gladwell is awesome. That's where, in like, when he said, you know, uh, uh, abortion r- rates, abortion was outlawed and crime increased because people were having, that, that has nothing to do with skin color, but that's the that's where I go, oh, I believe in that. Right. I believe in numbers. Or numbers, it, can't, numbers don't lie. He's against affirmative action. Yeah. Because he's like, if you take like some kid who isn't ready and send him to Yale, uh, he'll the odds of him failing out are almost certain. Like, like he just looks at the numbers and he's just, black. Yeah. And, and yeah, and, but I agree. And then I I feel like his his economist viewpoint was so popular that people just started going, "Oh, I can say that out loud." Oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah, because he is an expert. He's and it's an like expert. everyone else feels like they can just kind of. Th- well, I know what it reminds me of. Reminds me of is the, the the Reformation when like the Catholic Church when Martin Luther was like, okay, here's the Bible, you can read it yourself now, and everyone's like, I can hear Jesus in my head too. Yeah. And then there was these huge wars because every asshole felt like they could now be like a priest. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like Malcolm Gladwell was our Martin Luther in a weird oh way. Oh my where, god, yeah. Where he said stuff. He said stuff that was like that. It was like. The evidence shows. Yeah, the evidence, just evidence shows. And then all of a sudden, Trump's just basing. And you're like, I wonder. I just wondered about that in talking to you because I know you're – I'm a big Malcolm Gladwell fan. Huge. Dude, that's why I, I took that one like, episode like, so do you, personally. Do you feel like his – like, do you feel like his work appeals more to, to the conservative as opposed to the liberal? I think he's across the board. I just think dumb people. I think it was unintentional that like dumb people could run with his concepts. That that's it. Because now, because now science has been so perverted, where it's like, well, the evidence proves. You're like, well, this this empirical evidence. No one knows what empirical means. People, the average person doesn't know the difference between causation and correlation. I don't like like yeah, but it's like like the difference between whether or not something is directly caused by an event or there's a correlation because. Uh, correlation isn't really valid. It's kind of like, oh, what would be a great, what would be it? Um, every time I go to the improv, everyone's drinking. Therefore, all comedians are drunk. I don't know. I, I just can't think of something right now. But a correlation, you don't know what the cause is. Kind of like uh, black people are all dumb. You can say that in 1880, right? So it's like, oh, that means black skin means dumb. No, it means access to books uh, will affect your education level, and because of institutional slavery, black people don't have access to books. It's it's logic problems. Okay. So it has nothing to do with skin. Like let's say, like a whole group. Oh, he has a perfect one. Um, uh, Koreans kept crashing their airplanes. Yes. Yeah, and that like the 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 racist in you uh, <laughs> just, goes, I'll just never wants to go Korean air. Yeah, it's like oh, they can't fly planes either. And uh, but in reality, it was a language problem, and you have to re- do so much science to get down to the core of it. Where like the, in Korean language, you can't uh, criticize a superior, so the co-pilot was made completely invalid. So like it's like, sir, there is a mountain approaching. It's like you shut up. 
You know, like yeah. they don't fucking listen to each other. So, so they would, they, he like analyzed all this language where they would almost talk in code. It's like a mountain may be a bad thing. Yeah. Like, and there's a mountain like five seconds away from the plane and then they just all die. So now they all speak English and there's no more crashes. That's, I, yeah, I find, I find Gladwell to be, I, now I got to listen to the comedy podcast that he did. You're going to have opinions. Maybe I'm wrong because I have so much respect for him that like, I'll re-listen, but it just as a professional comedian, I'm like, if we can't release the pressure in society with jokes, like we get canned foods because war is coming, you know? Oh yeah. There's, there's the normalizing. It's like, he almost started that like normalizing bullshit where it's like, yeah, like smoothing shit out is fine. Like normalizing gay marriage was important. Yeah. Just like normalizing everything. You just make people be accessible to it so they can make their own decisions. Yeah, that's the one part where I don't get uh, that I do differ. Like, I'm obviously, obviously, I'm liberal. I, I'm liberal compared to America. Like, yeah. I'm definitely liberal. Of course, hardcore socially, probably even fiscally. I'm. I like. I voted for Hillary. I do believe that as someone who does make more money, you should pay more into intact. Like, I believe in that. Yeah. Now, granted, you know, it didn't turn out that way, but that's how I believe. Well, yeah. So, I, well, I also want more accountability with where it goes. Yeah. I. I, I like. But the but uh, but oh, I don't know what the fuck I was. You're saying. You're talking about you are liberal. You're like yeah. I am liberal, but uh, we're talking about Gladwell. Oh, but there was like a part of me that connects with when I started reading him. I was like, yeah, man, I knew it wasn't like it's the same thing with comedy. Comedy should be the truth. If you lie in comedy, and that's why I think there's so many. It's like one of the things like when you find agenda driven comedy, like people who. Say, right. I'm, yeah, you, yeah. they're agenda driven <laughs> comics, and it's all. I mean, no one's ever even. I even think the fucking like Dennis Miller, who I totally respect. I fucking I lose some of his points when it's too much agenda and not enough comedy. Yeah, like but even Carlin is guilty of a little of that. Yeah, I like just funny. I like just funny. Like, and there's like a there's a whole wave of of I feel like it's getting even stronger of female comics who. The joke is the least important thing in their act. It's to make you see their point of view. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, but you got to definitely do that and then also make me laugh. Then there's people that do it really well. But like but like, even Schumer was guilty of it when she brought the fucking Trump supporter on stage and didn't make a joke and just berated him. Shamed him. him. And shamed him. And I went, I went, I was like, Amy, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I get it. It's your stage. You can do whatever the fuck you want. But as a friend, I would definitely have sat backstage with you and said, I would have done that if I had a joke. Well, or or that that implies she almost wanted Trump to win. It's like she. How that, do you possibly think that'll sway the mind of anyone to bully the shit out of someone on a comedy stage? Who, by the way, bought tickets for your show, and 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 was a part of this game because he thought it would be funny and thought how cool I get to be on stage with Amy Schumer, and there's no joke, and you realize she hates him, and she's showing her hatred, and and in my head I go, God damn it. I guarantee you that one video did more for people, polarizing people and going towards Trump 100%. than all the handing out fucking registering people to vote that she did. Oh, my that God. All it the was... fucking days she sat in Tampa in the sun registering unregistered voters was pointless considering she did that one move in Florida and fucking alienated people and said, you guys are morons because you don't live in L.A. or New York. You guys are Florida. You're stupid. You don't fucking read. And then after the election about how everyone's like a babe, a kicking baby and all this stuff, it's like people just 
they miss a basic point that no one likes a bully. And like Trump is a bully, but the the left establishment almost out bullied him where they're like, if you like him, you're fucking stupid. And some people are like, I'm just voting on one point, and I'm sorry I'm not as educated as you. Like, you listen to the, when you listen to the media was saying, there's no such thing as hidden voters. There is no such thing as hidden. You go on Facebook, see these people that support Trump. I went, oh, no, 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 no. I have a lot of friends that are, are in Florida that are definitely voting for Trump. They just don't want to get into a fight with people. Exactly. And they just keep their mouth shut. And that is the problem. That is the problem with, with what liberal media and liberals – the uber liberal elite have done to these people and and if it's not doesn't start with trump and now that they're calling them all fucking racist i'm like oh they're they're getting eight years they're getting eight years out of them be careful for the fucking ingredients you're putting into your pie because i want the same pie that you want that's the only reason i care because i'm also part of this country yeah and it's like i that's why people would make fun of me that i wouldn't bash trump supporters I, i i'll mock trump all day long i was like i'm not you know but uh, I'm not going to bash the supporters because that puts you – you're immediately a hypocrite. Yeah. So now when you're talking about Islamophobia or like anti-Semitism or any of this shit, it's like, okay, so because you follow Mohammed, Mohammed is way crazier than Trump. So like you're talking sex slaves and beheadings and shit. So that means you should now hate Muslims? No, I don't hate Muslims. I'm not going to hate Muslims because Mohammed said some of the craziest shit ever. I respect the whole religion. Like, it probably makes a lot of sense to, like, you know, pray a direction. Like, I don't know. I, same with Catholics. Does that mean you, like, bang kids because you go to a priest? It's like anti-Semitism is the same thing. It's like you can't pick and choose your fucking principles. Yeah. You can't say, like, if you follow Trump, you're a racist when you're Jewish. Because that means, like, in the Torah, it talks about, like, hating gay people and how, like, sodomy is punishable by death. It's like, you don't know why people are what they are. You pick and choose things from movements. And Hillary's no fucking saint. You tell people, if you tell someone they're stupid long enough, they will believe they're stupid. You call people racist long enough, and then being racist doesn't matter to them anymore because... There's no stigma attached to it because you're already calling them racist. It's like doing a ton of coke. Like eventually, it doesn't even keep you awake. Yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> your brain's like, we're done with that. And like, that's that's the fucking the thing I don't get about this. I go, don't call them fucking racist. Just call them. There were Mexicans and black people that voted for fucking Trump and as women well. and tons women. of women. And and I and I go and I, by the way, once again, I didn't vote for fucking Trump. Doesn't even my, matter. My point like, is, those, I didn't even those, vote. To be honest with you, I wasn't gonna. Like, I have this old school fucking. I know I should probably see therapy about it, but like, it's like if someone is like, "Do you want to get beaten with a stick or a belt?" I'm not. I'm gonna be like, "You pick, bitch." Yeah. Like I didn't like either of them, and I liked Hillary more, honestly. But I'm not picking two bad things. I'm not gonna be like, "Are you gonna be a fucking dentist or a garbage man?" I'm like, I'm not picking that. Yeah. Yeah, I can't believe dude. I just compared dentistry and garbage. Well, in my mind, it would be. A, I'd actually rather be a garbage I'd man. I'd rather be a garbage man. Yeah, even. So much more. Dude, dentists have the highest suicide rate. I don't want to be a fucking dentist putting my finger in other people's mouths. Although, they're, I, they're, that is kind of weird. If you had a hot chick just to put your finger in her mouth and play with her teeth. I know, but see, that's when you run into trouble. You're like, you're like oh, do you like that? You just, even just, yeah, or just saying shit like, do you like that? Like, yeah. you know. Does that feel. I, that would be cool. Now that I think about it. You kind of want to be a dentist. Like, I I'm, I would be a dentist just to, like, but I'd only have hot chicks. I'd never do dudes. <laughs> <laughs> You're like a masseuse except a dentist. You're like, I don't do males. 
I would fucking never <laughs> put my fingers in a man's mouth. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't do a, a man's mouth. I'm oh, uh, strictly so women. creepy, but I'd love to be a garbage man. That would be a fun... I mean, obviously, someone, someone right now is going... Someone right now is angry right, and going, oh, you'd love to be a garbage man. You know what? That's fucking elitism. No, I'm saying I would love the camaraderie of getting up in the morning with a bunch of fucking I'm guys. a lumberjack right now. <laughs> like, when I'm not doing comedy, I'm cutting down trees with a fucking... Uh, uh, <laughs> A chainsaw with my brother and a Marine with PTSD. Yeah. Like, that's my life. And you, it's, you talked about that a little bit in one of your Instagram posts. You were like, I like having calloused hands. I love it. Yeah. And people are like, they don't, some people don't get it. They're like, you make so much more money per, like, think about, like, like I'll make like 20 bucks an hour, 25 an hour, whatever my brother wants to pay me. And same with, and Cap sometimes doesn't even take money. He's like, bro, I'm just trying to not do scratch offs. Yeah. Cause he has, you know, he's a, he won't be able to work the rest of his life because of his, uh, the shit he's seen in Afghanistan. And he's yeah. 26, played D1 baseball, stud. Yeah. But he's like, you know, he wrestles with, with shit. So, and people are like, why, like, why risk your life and have like fucked up hands and like do manual labor? I'm like, I never feel better. Like, just to be out of my head. Like just to be like, I have to think about what my hands are doing. It's kind of like what Rogan does with fighting. I don't. I say I've never been into fighting, but I feel like it's a similar type of like, just purity of like the way he talks about fighting is almost like how like with tree work for me, where when you're a hundred feet in a tree with a rope, like you can't think about like what Amy Schumer's up to. It's literally like I can't, I don't want to. I, I have to focus on cutting this branch. You know, and to me, that's just fucking zen. Same with piano. Yeah, the, there, there is a real z- zenness in like, in like getting law. Like he was telling me that I should get into jujitsu because it cuts your anxiety. Because once you go ha- combat with a guy, you can't think about other shit. You're f- you're forced to be in the moment. Yeah, and being in the moment's one of the fucking. It's it's I've, I fucking strive for that. It's so funny you talk about manual labor being healthy. It's so interesting to me, and I, there's this is going to sound very white privilegey, but w- these guys are. There was a guy yesterday who was, um, who is they're demoing our our last bathroom, yeah, and they're pulling out oh big slabs of wall with tile ap- attached, yeah, and the guy doing it's like 26 years old, but he's climbing up a ladder, he's carrying it on his shoulder, up a ladder no hands, and then dumping it into a dumpster. And, and I looked at it and I went, I bet that's a great core workout. And I'm, I'm like, I wonder if I could ask if I could help them do some of this so I could do my workout today. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck am I saying? No, they probably like, love I, it. Am I, striving for, am I striving for some sort of normalcy so I don't have to sit on, in my man cave? And which they must look at me like, like he has this fucking room where he just walks he has a room where he walks. Why didn't he just do that on the road? He's like, why not, why not get in the street and just walk? I have a room where I stand and walk and right. watch TV. It's so fucking weird. The almost like the microcosm I force myself into, where I watch these guys doing this, and I'm like, fuck, man. Like, it's. I wonder. I wonder what they thought this morning. They saw me sleeping in my room. They were looking at me. I was sleeping, and they were looking at me. And I went. I went. I wonder if they have any sense of like, of like sincere appreciation of like hey man this this guy's really having 
this guy's fucking having a really great morning, and we did this for him. <laughs> like, I, like, because I, I would. Dude, def- you'd be surprised how many workers actually are very comfortable in their life. It's like, you know, this is going to also sound right white privilege, but it's actually not. There's there's a real element of isolation to white privilege that I don't think people understand, and. Yeah. That's why I think Dave Chappelle's monologue for SNL was one of the greatest things I've ever oh, seen. Sh- I mean, literally, it was it was flawless. And my dad's a rhetoric professor and like debate professor, and like he watches it over and over again, being like, "This is perfect." Like just technically, one of the things he did was uh, discussing um, you know gentrification and privilege. Like when he got rich, and the example he used, I thought was like Shakespeareanly perfect, where it was like, "There's not enough room in my uh, hot air balloon basket." Because the hot air balloon is the ultimate metaphor for privilege. You're above everyone in this opulent, like giant, beautiful thing, but you're just alone with the wind. Yeah. And you just sometimes want to be like, I want to be down there like, and feel grass. But you're like in this shiny balloon and everyone looks at you and thinks, I want to be in that balloon. But really, you're just alone and cold in the sky. Yeah. And it's like, you can have both. Just go up and down. You know, that's why... I, I would never just want to be a worker because, like, I would feel that desperation of uh, working class sometimes where it's like, can I afford my fucking bills this month? That sucks. And I don't, fortunately, I don't have that. Yeah. But I also can't just fucking sit in audition rooms and, and wait for the approval of nonsense, like for some idiot to say I'm funny that has never, you know, done anything with their life. Like, I can't. I can't just sit in traffic all day. Like, I have to cut something down. Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel. I feel like I never really had, I've never really had much of a manual labor life. Like I've, you know, like I've never really, other than sports, like I never, I, my first job ever was working at my dad's law firm. My second job was, uh, was as a safe escort walking women across campus. I then got a job when I got to New York folding sweaters. And then Dude, I worked you're at Barnes fucking and Noble. hilarious, man. Like, I'm, I, like, I'm, but the thing is, like, <laughs> you that folded get, sweaters. This is all I did is fold sweaters. Fold sweaters and lick envelopes. I had this job at, <laughs> it, it was called Michael Simon, was the name of the company. Yeah. They make, like, they make, like, the kind of sweaters you see in Fort Lauderdale at a boutique shop for older women. Right. The kind of sweaters that would literally have ornaments on them for Christmas. Yeah. Like, and they were, and they were big, bulky sweaters. And I got a job. Charlotte Shofi got me a job there. The first day, they said we're sending out invitations for this for this uh, this party with this gala we're having. Can uh, what we need you to do is is stuff the invitation, stuff the invitation in the envelope, seal the envelope, put the stamp on it. They're already they've already got their addresses. So I was like, great. And I looked, and it was like a stack of a thousand. So I go through. I do a thousand envelopes. I'm like, literally. Like my tongue from licking the envelopes is like fucking getting sore in the middle of the day. I wake up and I have sores all over my mouth. Did you like a male prostitute almost? You're like, I was licking for a living. I literally licked a, maybe a thousand envelopes and a thousand stamps and put them on this thing. Do you think you got better at licking pussy from that? I got to work the next day. It was like another stack of a thousand. I was like, I cannot lick another thousand envelopes. <laughs> <laughs> and. And my my boss at the time goes, I'm sorry, you've been licking them? And I was like, yes. How would you seal an envelope? She goes, we gave you a sponge. You were supposed to sponge them. I licked a thousand envelopes. Dude. And then she was like, all right, I'm going to have someone else do the envelopes. You fold sweaters. And so they, they would have these – they would take these sweaters out on, on like – 
for shows or whatever. And when they bring them home, they just throw them in a room every time. They always had them out. They always had sweaters out. And so they'd, I just, every day it was a nonstop. I would just fold fucking sweaters. The only joke that I ever wrote in that whole time, because I was trying to be a comedian, was folding a sweater is a lot like getting a drunk guy into a cab. Like, you're like, come on, let's go. No, 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 no. The arm too. The arm too. I'm shutting the door. I'm shutting the door. Get your foot in. Like, dude, that's so fucking funny. Yeah, that was, that was the only, then, and then Barnes and Noble, I got fired for working out in my underwear in the basement. That Are you was, serious? Yeah. That was, I was uh, I was a heckler at a Renaissance Fair. Did I ever yeah, tell you, you told me about that. I think, or maybe you might have told me about that. But I, I love, dude. That we went to a Renaissance Fair and there was a guy you threw tomatoes at, and it was. I literally wanted to go back and go, hey man, respect. Like, you yeah, did a great job because you got me angry. You got and you got. The How did he get you angry? Rest. What was the thing? He's like, ah, oh, look, oh fuck, on TV, huh? Oh. This guy's not an athlete. And then I was like, oh, fuck, you don't know. And right. so I throw the first. And you really, throwing a tomato is a lot harder than it looks because they're kind of rotten. They're not the perfect. Well, they juice them a little. Yeah. I used, to, I used that, yeah. to have people like pay extra to use non-juiced. Really? Yeah. They, they hurt, it literally feels like a baseball is hitting you in the face. Oh, this guy lit me up and my, my whole crew was laughing at me. Everyone's fucking laughing at me. I must have, I must have thrown... 20 tomatoes at him and then finally i hit him i got him one time the last one i got him good good but that was because he was talking to somebody else and i fucking <laughs> yeah it's almost like they create like you're on tilt like they create a hole in you that you need validation from oh dude that was a fucking that i was a job i'd i would love to do for a day like there's a lot you of should things definitely do you'd be amazing at it i would yeah but i'd probably i couldn't do it family friendly but like, you, know, you don't have fuck. to you just don't. If you don't say fuck, you can say everything else. You could be like, I'll be like, your husband's fat. You're hot. You need to get pounded in the cornfield. <laughs> and literally, because because if you like encourage women, they want the attention, and yeah. then the men get fucking furious. You know. Oh, I could totally do that. I look at that sometimes. I when I I I'm not. I can't think of the right word. I don't idolize what you did. That's the wrong word. I envy. I envy your, your like, what was the thought process behind? Because I didn't know what was happening at all. One day I'm fucking watching you, and then all of a sudden you're doing a road trip. And I was like, oh, shit, he's gone. I don't know, man. I've always just been like, like just instincts kind of take over. Like, things will gnaw at me for a bit, and then I'm like, all right, we got to get out of here. Like, and I, the way I summed it up to someone the other day was I was like, when you hear a, a gunshot in L.A., you're like, oh, someone just died. And there you're like, oh, Someone just got a big elk. And for me, I just love that. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, when I saw my, when I finally, like, I've always loved Amy. And I was in love with Amy. But, like, once we had Walter, it was like, I had this crazy feeling of just running home. Like, taking him back to a place of real, like, what, where life made sense to me. Because I, I would have such a hard time explaining to him, like, how the culture in L.A. is. I, I, like, if it's like... Daddy, is this what men do? Like, they wear these tight jeans and they say that they're offended all the time? I'd be like, no, no, just these men here. It's like, but this is my whole world, Dad. Like, who builds the houses? Just the brown people? And you're like, yeah, but you can't say it like that or else the offended white people will freak out. But Dad, isn't, aren't they the ones making the brown people build the houses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't say any of it out loud. You just have to keep it all inside. 
I couldn't do it. I'm like where I live now. There are like the white people are the Mexicans, and they're also the rich people. And there's really no social class. It's like you could cut down the trees of a Rockefeller and party with them for two days and do paint guns, and then you just see them at the bar. It's like there isn't that like you're a worker. I'm not a worker. It's literally everyone's like, do you have skills? Can you make a stone fireplace? And dude, I'm like, I still get depressed and shit and like angry, but I've never been happier. Yeah, I, I, I. It it looks like I I feel like I I immediately like I remember what the grass feels like up there barefoot yeah like it's it's a it's a softer earth than like L A it's like when we walk barefoot all our grass is burnt because the sun and the heat and there's water restrictions and the grass doesn't feel great here but I look at and this sounds so silly but I remember looking at one of your videos and it was of your backyard and I was like that grass looks like it's like got clovers in it I think you just lie in it. You yeah. just lie down in it. It's, you can fall asleep oh, in it. Fucking black widow spiders in our grass. Yeah, like, well, there's nothing poisonous there. Like I know there's also major downturns. Did you just say you were in Tacoma? No. Oh, Steve Renazzi's going to Tacoma. I like Tacoma so though. Fucking odd. Tacoma's a blast. Steve it's, like, it's like to Compton. Amy used to live there. It's like it's like rough Seattle. Really? Yeah. It's See, sweet. I like that. I like. I like. I I'm a big fan of. Like, I went to uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas. How was it? It was phenomenal. Dude, like, I'd love to do it. Stanhope called me. I get, Maybe I can't, I can't remember. My memory of how things went down. I think Stanhope called me and said, you should do this club. I'm doing it. It's fucking... You, trust me, you'll have a good time. Yeah. And the money's square. Like, they're, they're the guy, I would say, to a fault, the guy was... Like, I think he would lose money to make sure you were happy before... He would try to make it's money. Southern pride, man. It's it's legit. And like, I mean, this is the kind of place it was. I, I said this on the podcast uh, we did at End of the World. There was a sign next to oh, the I restaurant remember this. that said free dogs. And I was like, <laughs> that fucking blew me away. I was like, I have a, this is a different part of the country. But man, everyone came out in droves. Everyone came out and wanted to, like it was, it was different. They wanted a picture, but they wanted to like pick my brain or talk to me for a second. It wasn't like, you know, like. And it was really fucking amazing. And then I went, I said to myself, I want to do more of this. I want to do more of these. I, I, I love Columbus. I'll always go to Columbus. I love Cleveland. I'm always going to Cleveland. Yeah. But like, I don't need to fucking, I don't need to have Miami in my fucking routing. I don't yeah. need, I don't, there's certain places that I, that just because it's a big city, that may not make sense for me. Why yeah. not go to Tacoma or Fayetteville or fucking Billings, Montana or Detroit? I love Billings, yeah. Detroit, I want to do Detroit so fucking Dude, bad. I'll do Detroit with you if you ever want to fucking roll. I'm in. I'm trying to do a Kickstarter. So what I was, uh, I probably shouldn't talk about this out loud, but whatever, I'll talk about it. I don't give a fuck. Um, do a Kickstarter page and say, hey, Detroit, I'd like to come to Detroit. If you buy, if I can sell 300 tickets for 25 bucks a piece, I will come to Detroit because that's how that works. That's brilliant. And so, and then I just, I get the money. We find a place. I do stand up there and then I just come home and then go, uh, Big J Oakerson and I are trying to do a comedy cruise and we're t- thinking about doing a Kickstarter for it and going, Hey guys, we'd like to do a cruise. We know that you'd like to do a cruise. We're just taking the party in comics. We're not taking anyone who's like fucking dude. You'd be so sensitive. perfect for a cruise. It's, it's like your it's, own cruise. Like me and Big just, J did the Impractical Jokers cruise. It was yeah. heaven. Oh, I bet. And but the the pro the I mean by the way I have to say this I just I've heard of the Impractical Jokers bro they're amazing I just watched their show last night for the first time like legit said 
like I've tuned in and been like, oh, okay, so yeah, this looks good. I watched the show last night. It's fucking awesome, bro. I'm I'm opening for them in England in January. They they set they're selling out the O2 arenas, forty thousand seaters, dude. Dude, sound it's I, and they're the nicest. I've known them since MySpace. Like I've really, known, oh dude, we used to have like. We would write to each other and shit back, like just back in the day. That's what, why it's so cool. Like when people just care about comedy and not the fame shit. That's back yeah. when there was no fame thing. It was literally just like appreciating comedy, and that's why it's that's like the greatest. There's a guy I'm chatting online with who is fucking hilarious. Yeah, he's one of my favorite. He's a YouTuber, but he's legit. Like he's legit funny he has this um dj khaled video where he breaks down dj khaled's fucking appreciation thing or whatever yeah it's, it's his 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 twitter's h3 h3 productions his name's ethan and he he just uh he reached me up and he was like oh, i can't i can't i don't have showtime i want to watch your special just want to let you know that i I would definitely have watched it and i was like i was like i got a fucking link you're in the industry i'd give it i sent the link to elliot in the morning to my buddy cow i'd sent the link to anyone in the God, industry yeah so i just fucking sent him a link and he was like dude thank you so much and i was like no i hope you like it but and then he like then we just you know back and forth he's like hey do you really have a thyroid problem and but it, dude it, you just make friends that's when the internet is amazing because for all the shit that it sucks for it's like you can find people like like-minded people across the world like i have friendships online with people just like that are like just even if it's just faves and like simple responses, I'm like, oh, those are my buddies. Yeah, oh, that dude's great. And it's like there's an equality to it where I'm like, yeah, I'm just more famous than you. You're just, you're funnier than me. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's there's uh, that is an interesting. But anyway, the Impractical Jokers they made me laugh out loud. It's really funny. I wonder if everyone. I wonder if I'm late to the party and everyone likes the same shit. But uh, but. I, I mean, they're God, man. This girl walked into the uh, to the fucking room, and she had a African <laughs> like headdress on. And one of them said to one of them, "I mean, I don't remember who was said it to who, but he's like, uh, ask her if she just got out of the shower." Hilarious. And I was, and you, but the, them freezing. And it's so silly because I'm sure the show's so big. But I just saw it last night, and I was fucking howling, and I was like, because I was like, that's why Stanhope fucking loves them. Just, well, yeah, because they figured out the equation of how to be like total dicks without being dicks. Because yeah. it's all about embarrassing each other and their best friends. So there is no victim. Yeah. It literally is like dudes that literally have been friends since high school and they just are fucking with each other. And like in these crazy public voyeuristic exhibitionist like ways that get your heart pounding. What are their what but are all their names again? It's uh it's Sal, Murr, uh Joe and Quinn. Q. Okay, Murr and I worked on a pilot together a long time ago. He was like the EP of it. Um oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's he's uh, and then I know Sal. I don't know the other two. I, I met, They're I met all them, great, man. I met, I met them on uh on a Skype call, which was like the worst Skype call I've ever been on to like I think we were pitching a show to them. And it was the technology was from 1997, like our, where we were, and so it, they it was cutting out and you couldn't hear anything. And I was like, "Fuck, this was the worst Skype I've ever fucking been on." No, but, we'll all hang with like you'll love them, dude. Yeah, love. Like it, they're literally just some of the sweetest human beings you alive. They're, yeah, like they're, sale like like Q sent. Um, like he like got a blanket for Walter when he was born and like mailed it to me. It says like Walter on it. 
like Sal, like got like they'll like do very thoughtful shit. It's like really crazy. It's almost they're really like, solid dudes. They're a different like they're like an old school level of like man where it's like, hey buddy, I got you your favorite wine. Of course, I stopped by. Yeah, and I'm like the type that's like, should I take my shoes off? You know, like I'm, you know, like it's like I, it's just a level of kindness that just is unbelievable. I really, I really, I, I have to say, I really enjoyed them. Uh, but, but anyway, the whole Kickstarter thing was what I was talking about, and um, but I think that's a new way to approach the road. It's, it's, it's very similar. Paul F. Tompkins uh, used to do something like that. Like he's like, if I on a, a website where you could like click it and buy a ticket, and I mean maybe mine's a little more, a little more. Uh, walking through, jumping through more hoops. I think his was like on his MySpace, and if you clicked and put your credit card down, and he sold three hundred tickets, he'd come to your city. But and you could put your city up, and anyone could like. The cool thing about Kickstarter though is if you don't hit the goal, no one gets charged, right? Yeah, no one gets charged. Do you do, then, do you do Patreon for this podcast? I don't. I don't. Patreon's a really interesting. Um, it's pretty interesting, but I, I just don't. I you know, right now my whole goal is like I just. Like, I don't know. I, I need, I, I keep saying this over and over and I know people are tired of hearing it, but like, I need, I need to branch out and hire someone so that I can streamline things. The problem is I am fucking micromanaging. I'm a big micromanager and I'm a little bit of a perfectionist and I want things to look the way I want them to look and I want it to sound the way I want it to sound. And, and I don't want to, I would never want you to call him like steve ranazizi just texted me about our podcast last night and he was like we were pretty fucked up was that at all good and i'm in my head i was like i want to text him if there's anything you want taken out let me know but i i don't ever want to delegate delegate that to someone and then them drop the ball and then steve be really upset and you know what i mean yeah you don't want to pass the buck you yeah like I, I know that if it lands on me it lands on me but you know i don't know i think i need to Patreon's interesting to me. Right now, my whole thing is just put out good shit. Make it for free. And then, hey, if you want to see me on the road, come see me on the road. I'll make my money that way. Yeah. Make my money from my podcast and from – from uh, but like the, the parts that I – like Tito's Vodka te- emailed me and I dropped the ball on that and I haven't reached out to them. And I so badly – I have Tito sitting right there. That's what we drink when we drink the, do the podcast. Yeah. And I would love t- for someone to be – a little braver than me and go, hey, we'd like to work together. And Tito's go, well, that's fantastic. Let's do that. Instead of me just going, like Paps Blue Ribbon did the same thing. And I dude, just, that's awesome. I'm just so fucking. Yeah, dude, everyone's got a different skill set. I suck at marketing. Like I, I, I suck at marketing, man. I suck at a lot of shit. Some people are great at it. Like there's comedians that their whole appeal is just marketing. Like, like, uh, I don't give a fuck. Aziz Ansari. <laughs> like, if, we could, if you want to cut that out, it's fine. But, like, to me. I don't give a shit. Yeah, to me, like, if you write down his act, I don't see where the jokes are, but he's such a brilliant marketer where he's like, he has this very clear narrative. Like, this is me. This is what I do. I, you know, I go up, I sound like a bumblebee. I've never seen, I've never seen his act. To be dead honest with you, I've never seen his act. Um, the, all I've seen of him was the, the, comic that he did in funny people yeah was that it funny people yeah and and i and i and he was making fun of those kind of jokes and i thought those jokes were actually funny totally and i was like i was like oh fuck i think he might be making fun of me totally i really enjoyed what like the that like i was like i was like obviously he's 
doing it up a tad bit, but I was like, I think those jokes could slide right into your act. <laughs> like, <laughs> dude, there's a whole type of a comedy that it's like what you're talking about, where it's almost like agenda e with like a weird hook, where it's like. Guys are stupid. It's like, what? Like, dick pics mean you're fucking dumb. What? Yeah. And you're like, dude, nit- dick pics will open a door of place properly. <laughs> I send dick pics to Sigur all the time. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, but, like, it's so, you know, it's it's really interesting. This is all good stuff that they're moving that crown molding. Dude, I, I so sent my wife excited. a dick pic for the first time in a while because I was like, I've been whacking with uh, coconut oil lately. Really? Yeah, because it's like it's 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 like hard, and then it gets warm, and it gets like fucking great. And so I've been like, I was having a whack. Coconut sales just exploded, dude. It's insane, and it's also really good for your skin. So if you're like, if you're over lubed, you're like, oh, I'll just put some of this on my chest. And before you know it, you're just like having a blast. Oh, it makes fuck. it makes a funny bone like Cincinnati funny bone like a good time. Note to self, dude, you'd love it. I yeah I, I uh, <laughs> yeah I I have a I've been using just fucking. It really sucks. Like I don't know if it's just me, but like the hotel uh, lotions. Sometimes I feel like there's irritants in them. Like where I go, ow, this is starting to fucking feel a little. Like is this lotion or is Bro, this you like- need you need to get coconut oil. Like now I'll look at a Whole Foods and get a boner now. Oh, I got I'm going to go get coconut oil. I'm getting hard. Is that bad? I had a dream that last night that I got high with Ari. What's interesting is I did get high with Ari. Yeah. And but I had a in the dream I got so high I got aroused. And I was like, "Oh shit. Wait, what is this we smoked?" And he was like, "Oh, that's what happens when you get too high. Sometimes you get turned on." And I was like, "Motherfucker, why would you do this to me?" But Adderall is like the opposite. It's like the more you take because you haven't slept, the more like your dick is just fucked. I love Adderall. Dude, I, I, I had to take some Adderall today. I slept like two hours last night. Oh, because you guys, the whole family's in. Yeah, I'm sleeping in a hotel room with a baby, and I did like Heidi and Frank at like eight, and I did the improv last night. In Brea? Uh, no, I did. That's why I was making fun of LA a little, because I, uh, I did the, I love Melrose Improv, but it had that Hunger Games vibe. I haven't been there in so long. I've just been going to the store. But how sweet is Adderall? Uh, I haven't taken it in a very long time only because I have high blood pressure now, so I stopped. Yeah. I stopped only because I was like, oh, God forbid I have a stroke for me wanting to get shit done. Yeah. I just might rather take a nap. But it is phenomenal, and you don't eat. Like, I didn't eat on it. Like, I'd be like, I wasn't my, it would curb my appetite. So yeah. I'd eat like a grape and be like, I'm good. Yeah, it's good with a little weed because sometimes Adderall can pump the ego a little where you're like, I got ideas. I'm going to make a fucking shed. So, like, I think, like, the perfect combo is, like, 10 milligrams Adderall, like, three, like, good pulls of weed. Really? Yeah, then because you're, like, motivated, but you still feel like you're part of the universe. <laughs> like, it's not like all that. you. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I- like, weed is, like, the thing that's, like, we're all connected, and Adderall is the thing that's, like, I can figure out Bach right now. <laughs> And so you put that together, and you're like, I just figured out a real peaceful way to play Bach. <laughs> like, I learned Spanish in, like, an afternoon. Now, um, now, what was the what's – the, what's the game plan of, of where you're staying versus where you want to go versus where you want to be? The career-wise? Versus or? the road versus New York and L.A.? Uh, well, I just want to – I've been – the road's been going great, yeah. and uh, I love stand-up. And uh, hang on, where am I going to be if I plug some shit? What month is this? This will be. Uh, this is. is when's this going out, out? Very beginning of December. This comes out beginning of December. Yeah. Fuck. I'm gonna be. A, I got a bunch of dates. Hugepianist.com. So I got a bunch of December dates. So go to that. 
I'll have like I think I'm doing three weekends in December and January. I'm doing I'm doing three weekends. I'm doing four weekends in December, and then I'm doing twelve straight weeks. Not taking a week off. You're the fucking man. But dude, I, want, I just want to podcast, do stand up, and hang out with my buddies and like my family. I'm, I'm up by you one of those weeks, dude. You got to come over. Uh, definitely, I will. I definitely You're gonna am. freak out, man. Like, I'll, I'll, we have fires every night in the backyard, and we all hang out and have beers. It's got to be so great. It's, it's literally it's, fucking amazing. But it's the thing. It's the thing that that Stanhope has. Yeah, it's like a family, a community, like a, a fucking like. A, a, like a, a real group of people that love each other and LA is like that you can find that in LA but I when we and I I have that here right now I don't have it and I think that's why I'm longing for it because we can't have people over and usually we have people over but our house is such a fucking mess right now yeah that we're like that it's it, that's been the one emptying part the one cool part is that for it just ended yesterday but for fucking eight weeks, nine weeks, we were all living in two rooms. And so, like, if someone woke up, we were all up. And they see that's why Japanese people are so coy and like respectful. Yeah, because they all live in such little areas that that's why they're all like, "If it pleases you," you know. Because oh, like, I love my daughter is not Japanese. Then holy shit, things would get intense. Oh, she is just, she is a fucking a bowling ball like she just fucking a cannonball like she, she, I, she one morning she just gets up it's like she comes out she like hops up and she's like gotta poop and my wife's in the shitter and that's the only bathroom we got it's like ah so she runs out to the front yard to do the porta potty and then one of the fucking workers in the porta potty she's like i'm going in the yard and i was that's like amazing. you're not going to the fucking yard but that's she, but that is the energy with what she wakes up with. Like, yeah. I gotta poop. Like, that's amazing. She, uh, it's been, but it's really been really cool. Although I will say that now that we've we've moved into our bedroom, it's the only thing we've moved really. It's fucking nice. And I, I didn't hear anyone in the house today. I was in my room and it was silent. And Dude, I, went, I love silence now. <sighs> Dude, I got I got two acres of land in like a four bedroom house and shit. And it would, for what your house, this house, you could no joke buy. A hundred acres and have a castle. Oh, I, I, dude, I would, I would fucking, I, we've talked about that. We've talked about getting off the grid and we've talked about it a lot. We've also talked about moving to, uh, moving to Italy with the girls or moving to France with the girls awesome. while they're young or let them have some dude, experiences. Tampa is dope. Do you ever want to go back there? Uh, I do. I do. My wife does not. Right. But my, you know. I, I always say this, and I don't think people totally understand it, but Florida is a very different beast. Like, especially like the way I grew up was not. It's no one grew up like us. Like I remember, my we were my buddy had just passed away. We were with his family, and we, he didn't pass away in a good way. And we were all with his family, and we're all sitting there, and and we're drinking and like hitting a vape pen, and and we were just like, someone was like. Hey man, are we fucked up? Like, 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 did we grow up wrong? Because like, all our we, all everyone deals with it. Everyone that I've grown up with is either sober, dead, or still partying. Yeah, like, there's no, there's no like just regular glass of wine person in our group. And there's and to the point where it's like, the, I don't know many people 
that would ever turn away <clears throat> drugs. Like, I don't know many people that, like, I mean, it's, I say that, but, like, like, my friends are the kind of friends that, like, if the ones that, at one point, my friends were the kind of friends that if you offered them ecstasy that they, I didn't have one that wouldn't take it. Right. And one that wouldn't. Like wasn't like would you try coke? It's when will you try coke? Yeah. Like and and mushrooms, and like and alcohol was like something that you know I, I said to someone the other day we were talking about drinking and I said you know you got to understand growing up in Florida when the second you got out on the boat that's when you started drinking it was six in the morning you cracked a beer and right. and day drinking was something that was a part of our lifestyle and then a joint in the middle of the day I'm watching the movie the TV show Bloodlines and I go that is how we grew up yeah that is it like I remember distinctly going like by the way and I I can't I can't recollect anything different I know that I know how bad this is going to sound I remember taking my boat down to St. Pete putting it in the water at six in the morning and it's still being fog and dark out and having partied until two in the morning the night before and driven. I'm sure I was drunk when I drove the boat, put it in the water, get in the water, crack a Coors Light and fucking drink. And then the sun would come up and then someone would light a joint and you'd all take a hit of a joint, a couple hits, and then you'd fucking fish. And I, I'm assuming at some point I would stop drinking. I don't completely recollect but put the boat back on the truck and drive it home and yeah. like and and then go out that night and party but that was like that, that was just what what you did and yeah and i don't remember anything different i remember going out into the woods and just getting in a, there was like a, a polarizing it's like this beach florida redneck like going out in the woods when it rained and just destroying each other's trucks because that's what you did i i honestly think that that's more than norm and human existence and that it's a new phenomenon of people being like no i'm only having two glasses of wine have you ever do you ever listen to dan carlin's hardcore history yeah of course okay it, there's a blitz edition like i go i've i've downloaded i've listened is this the one i think i bought this is it uh history under the influence no oh dude what hold on i'm googling i'm downloading it right now is it on itunes yeah it's called history under the influence and he and he shows like you, th- for some reason, the history books just never bring up the fact that most of these leaders had like debilitating drug and alcohol situations. Like um, Alexander the Great, like one of the ways his soldiers would die that he would be a part of was drinking competitions till death. And like, okay, Stalin, when when Hitler invaded Russia and uh, Barbarossa, Stalin was on a two week vodka bender. He was no one knew where he was for two weeks. Like, that's how hard these dudes drank. Like, uh, Napoleon, I guess, had a morphine addiction. So that's like Waterloo. Like, some of his inexplicable shit was because of that. A lot of, like, crazy military moves. I can't fucking find it on here. It's I can't find Dan Carlin on... Is it in iTunes or is it on... iTunes, I- iTunes Store, yeah. It's a hard... Just look up Hardcore History, and I think it's episode, like... It's in the... Tw- it may be around 20, but it's called A History Under the Influence. It's It's so fucking fascinating about, like... You know, uh, Hitler and meth and like, uh, you know, John F. Kennedy yeah, and meth. Yeah, and like, course, yeah. So just like a lot of decisions you see in history that uh, that that looking back, if you know what people were on, like no one drank water ever. No, Yeah. Not, that like, was- you shit yourself to death. Like our country was founded on dudes that from 
the time they woke up till they went to bed, they drank like a fucking Tampa guy. Yeah. Dude, same with uh, Churchill, nonstop drunk, never wasn't drunk. That's fucking fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating. The, 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 the concept that people aren't constantly like fucked up is so modern. That's why a lot of times back in the day, like dudes would just like fall down. Like they didn't like know, they yeah. know why. It's, it's interesting. Like Mad Men. Remember that Mad Men? Like oh, how yeah. they're just drinking liquor all day long. It's, uh, it, you know, I always like, I, and that's one of the things that I like about like when you go to like, when you, we'd go to Alaska, we went to Alaska and the guys there would be like, you get on the boat and they'd crack a beer and I'd be like, oh, is this, I'm, not to say that alcohol equates being a man or that, you know, if you're sober that you're not a man, but like there was like this warming feeling when I was in Alaska. I was like, oh, these are men. They're not afraid right. to fucking... No, no. There's also and, a correlation. And they need with- to escape a little bit. It's 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 almost like out here, so many major cities. It's so competitive and so like pampered at the same time that people like want to keep their wits, and they also like don't have anything to escape. Like there's yeah. places like my grandfather was a lead miner. It's like that dude has to drink a lead miner. Like he he pulled the lead out of the ground that made the bullets for World War Two. A lead miner. Holy fuck. Yeah. Dude, he died with seven fingers in the black lung. Uh, seven fingers yeah. in the black lung. Yeah, and like these dudes, like in my town, it's three nuclear power plants. Everyone's drunk all the time. So it's like, you know, coming out here, that's one reason why I had to leave. It was a cultural thing. It wasn't even – I love the industry. I love the weather. Some of my best friends for life are out here. But like, you know, I used to do a bit about where it was like I'd see someone out here, hand where it's like, and someone's like, oh, he's had too much to drink. I'm like, what does he have? It's like – said too many beers. I'm like, you switch to beer when you got to go to work. <laughs> like that's what you used to sober up is beer. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's funny. You and Nick Thune are two people that I I th- I don't know if Nick has left LA as well, but like I saw Nick in like on his Instagram and he was like in Seattle or out, out out in in Washington, out on the lake and him and his brother and his dad are having beers and I was like, "Fuck, man, it's I miss that. I miss that lifestyle and i think that's what i don't you don't get in la because when you do day drink in la it looks like a problem totally it looks like like you're like like i've definitely hit it because i'm like from other people never from my wife but like like i'll I'll fucking crack open a beer and be like i'm done my day get done a round of meetings fucking sit in the front yard crack a beer and smoke a cigar and then someone's like whoa drinking this early are we you're like there's a lot of uh shame and judgment out here there's dude that's part of the narcissistic way once again from therapy is that it doesn't have to do with only their success or their inflation it also has to do with taking you down they want to they want to humiliate you as they exceed and right and i was i knew a very i knew a narcissist very well and that was one of the things that drove me fucking nuts was that you couldn't there was no like like but back and forth up each other it was I'm up, you go down. And that mathematically doesn't work. It's like a beautiful mind. Remember you got a Nobel Prize for proving that like there's plenty of that that you, you always do better as a group. Like like what Rogan's done or Sandler Dude. or all these guys. It's like you only function you, your greatness only comes in groups and it comes from loyalty and it comes from like uh, dude, I supporting thanked, each I other. I Rogan at the end of my special. I didn't know that I was putting it on screen. I thought that it was going on like an idiot. I thought the special thanks would go on the liner notes of the DVD. There's no fucking DVD these days. I didn't even think about it. Right. They're like, who do you want to give special thanks to? And I was like, oh, one of the fucking reasons that I am a- was ever to- able to tell that machine story was 
a friend. Joe Rogan said, Yeah, I heard you talking about that. Yeah. You need to tell the story. This is what friends do. We tell each other where to go right and where we go wrong. We call each other on our bullshit and we tell each other where we can excel. And you need to start a podcast. You need to tell the machine story. Those are the two things he told me. And I took it to heart. And I fucking, that story changed my career entirely. And so I was like, wow, without that friendship of, of, of a guy who's not a narcissist, a guy who is, who has, a healthy ego and a healthy self self esteem, which are both in therapy, I learned very uh, important. But that allows him to then lift you up and say, "Let's raise your self esteem so that your ego remains level." Yeah, because he takes pride in his friends. Like some people have such a high level of greatness for themselves that they also want to be surrounded by greatness because it, it pulls more out of them. Yeah, because it's not even like he's doing charity work. I can sense in his voice. Where it's like he wants to be around his friends who are great. You know what I'm saying? Because there's, there, it's not. It, take a look at like, take a look he doesn't at who his do, friends I, are. I can tell he doesn't do. I don't even know him. I like I know of him obviously, but like I I can just hear in his voice that like he doesn't care about praise and shit. He literally is like, I think he just has a good sense of the fundamental balance of being a human. Where it's like I just want to be with my friends doing this, and I want them to feel like I feel, so that we can keep exponentially growing with each other until we're fucking launching into space. I mean, and- if you look at who he surrounds himself with, you're like, you're like, oh, fuck. Like, the funniest comics working easily yeah. all, the t- all the time. He's, he literally does a podcast with a great mind in some sort of field once a week. His he's friends, he goes hunting with the greatest bow hunters in the world. He like It's like you go, oh, yeah, I, I, I should surround myself with what I find, what I find to be great, like guys that really make me fucking laugh or think or challenge the way I I think, or at least force me to think out of the box or or break down a concept, so that when I go do to to do my art, I'm not just coming at it from one fucking half ass perspective. Like Roy Wood Jr. is the reason I have he my. He's the reason I have my closer. Amazing. I don't know if you've ever seen my over the pants hand job in a Walgreens closer. No. <laughs> oh, but so I do this. I do this oh. long thing where I, I, I talk about how I want to be like a, like a real musician, but every time I write, people laugh. I, I, I'm sure we have a similar vibe. Yeah, yeah, we're like, yeah, yeah. we're such children that like when I'm serious, people are like, they still laugh. And so I do this long thing about Coldplay. I'll have the same chords, so I know that's the chords. And I get the whole crowd. I literally get the entire, because I play it until they know the words, the entire crowd. I go, over the pants, hand job. And they're like, in a Walgreens. And people are like crying. Yeah. Well, at least I'm trying to get them to. And um, and Roy gave me Walgreens. I had over the pants hand job. Yeah. And I I was doing this like big sing along, and he uh, we would pass each other's jokes back and forth. Where like he would do the song, and he added Walgreens, and it just was that perfect thing that made it perfect. And it, it, like that's that that's the beauty of Roy Wood. It's like that dude is like he's like it, you just feel like you're on a team with a great human. I just did a podcast with him. I released it yesterday. And it is, it was so fucking insightful. Like I'm going to listen to it on my way he's, home. He, well, he's fucking amazing. Uh, he's but like I one of my close friends. Realize, I, I was with I him. Yeah. I didn't realize. Oh, I, we talked, we talked about the tour with you guys. I always, one of the things I'm fascinated by is, um, the end of something and the rebirth of a new thing. And like, interesting. And I was really curious what it was like for him to end Sullivan's son and how he looked at moving forward. And I think ultimately his answer is, that's who he is as a person is he's someone who's like not going to let 
his anyone get in the way of him. He's hard work. He started as a he started doing phone calls to fucking radio stations. Yeah, have you and heard those? They're funny as shit. I, have, I haven't, but he was telling me about that and about the road and about being at Doctor Grins when he found out Sullivan's song got canceled and like and then and and then how he assessed um, Wyatt Senek's uh, audition uh, for for the Daily Show when he didn't get it. And then how he applied that to his new audition. And I went, well, he's a fucking, he, I fucking, I have, I told you the first time I ever, oh no, you weren't there that weekend. It was Ahmed, Roy and Steve were in Phoenix. And that's the first time I saw him live. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I've been sleeping on this guy. Cause he's fucking amazing. Dude, he's amazing. And years ago, I was always saying that. And like people, like people didn't know he was. And now he just has an hour special coming out and God, he's getting what he deserves. Cause I've seen him entertain like a room full of fucking libertarian redneck white people, and they laugh just as hard as like a room full of Alabama black dudes. Like it's and yeah. it, like and he doesn't change a, a beat of who he is. It's almost like Chappelle or Burr, yeah. where it's like it's just that look of like I'm fucking just this is real, yeah. and it's like funny, and he, like he he has that element of uh, like silliness and um, like that rock. I, I just it's he's so fascinating, man. He's, he's just phenomenal. Phenomenal. And like he will look at shit like, OK, here's a perfect example of the Trump thing. Um, I don't know. He, I didn't talk to him about it. But like like one of my friends is like rich white dude is like, are you scared because your your wife and son are Mexican, like Hispanic, not yeah. born in America? But like and my other buddy who's a Muslim, like full blown is like, yo, man, we can learn a lot about Trump as far as grassroots marketing. Like there's two ways of looking at something. Yeah. Where like you could either look at like, oh, this I'm a victim, or it's like like I have a buddy who's like super Muslim and he's just like definitely not a fan of Trump or his, the things <laughs> he says, but like he still is looking at it from a business perspective where it's like, how did he get this? You know, and he's like, I can apply this to stand up. And I'm like, fuck, dude, that's how Roy is. Roy, yeah. whatever happened, whatever's thrown at Roy, Roy'll like He'll he'll learn from it and flip he'll it on make its head. This work, yeah. He's an interesting fucking guy. Well, we're all, almost at two hours. We should probably wrap this up. Yeah, we'll wrap your, it up. Do we want to do your podcast as well. Well, I was just going to ask you what 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 do you think it it's fine for your podcast? Uh, what do you think it means to be a man? Oh wow, that's it's interesting considering the conversation we just had. Um, you know, it's, it's so it changed so much. I remember the first time I ever found out I was a man was. Uh, meaning like that there was more than just growing pubic hair and, and having your voice drop and m- being able to make money was when uh, Leanne told us, oddly enough, I think last night to Ari and them, but when we moved in together, she was pregnant. Uh, G- George was about to be born in like in like a month, two months, a month, and I was – Obviously, I'm combining that into a very short period of time that was over, you know, an eight month period from when we moved in to when I said I'm going to take time off the road. And my business manager called me one night at like towards the end of a night and was like, "Hey, just so you know, you're broke. You have no money, and you you owe money for taxes. And that'll ta- that'll clean out your bank account. You'll have maybe like I think you're gonna have like like uh, two grand left." So, and I remember him just not getting it and being like, you should book a commercial. And I was like, that's not how this fucking works. Just, right. And then I was like, what do you, and I was like, hold on. And he's like, you need to get on the road. You need to do something. You need to make money. And I was like, oh my God, I just took 
a month off. I, w- I have no money coming in for one month. I have no money coming in. And I had this real fucking feeling of like, of like the, the idea that gravity had been, the, the, the promise of gravity had been taken away. And I could definitely lift up into the clouds and die. That I could just go, I, that I wasn't grounded. And I called my dad and my dad was asleep. My mom woke him up and I go, hey, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm broke. And my dad's like, what? I said, I'm broke and you know, we're having a baby and I don't have any money coming in and I don't know what I'm going to do. And he started laughing out of a, like he's just, had just been asleep. He started laughing. Yeah. He goes, oh, <laughs> this is what it's called being a man. And he hung up. Amazing. And I was like, I was like, what? And then my dad called me back. He got up out of bed, called me back and he goes, he goes, buddy, this is what being a man is about is guess what? Figure it out. You're a dad. You're going to be a dad. Figure it out. What are you going to do? And he's like, and it, and it applied so much for me and my experience to being humble because I had to ask the people for things. I had to say, I, I had to ask Aaron at the improv if I could feature and is there any way they could include a hotel room or a condo and I'll pay for my flights on miles. And I had to ask people, I had to ask Gary Goldman if there was a fallout date, if he could, and Gary Goldman is one of the greatest by the way everyone take a look at his fucking conan set is goddamn genius it's so fucking good it is so anyway i gary i had to i had to say to gary i i really thank you i need the money it was being humble and being appreciative and like and like being humiliated like i remember daniel tosh came to pick me up to play poker and I just worked with him and become friends. And I remember saying to my wife, I need $100 to play poker. And she's like, we don't have it. In front of Tosh. We don't have it. And he's sitting right there. And I go, just give it to me. Like, I was like, <laughs> I was like, don't do this. Don't do this. This is fucking weird. And you could see Tosh is like, I'll give you 100 bucks." I was like, no, 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 no. She's got it. Right. And, cause, and But there was that whole experience of, of becoming flat broke and then getting myself out of it. Or getting my family out of it, that I that is the one moment I I go. That's what being a man is. Just doing what has to be done doing for what, others too. Doing what has to be done is like the one life lesson I look at and I go, I go, yeah, that's it. That's that's the fucking. Because I look at all the times my dad was a man, and and uh, and and like just like my my uh calling card bill was up or you know back in the days you'd have a calling card and or or like or like i wrecked i remember i wrecked my car and my dad was like like just all the pressure you put on them and it's all the things it's the reason that men die earlier is because they get all this shit comes from every which way and they yeah. fucking their business fails or they fucking lose a job or they have to reassess what the fuck they're doing you know yeah, that's uh, that's the one time I remember. That's, that's when I feel like I became a man. That's a great dude. You, that's a great way to put it. Um, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, and uh, you can check out. I'll put a little of that on uh, Case Closed Beers Open, but I got to put it on Why Didn't They Laugh too? Because that was that was profound. Oh, you can. You, you need me to send it to you? You can just steal. No, it I'll just use that. Yeah. Okay. Because we, my brother and I, were uh, like the whole premise is like we get a voicemail. It's like, hey boys, I can't find my wood pile. You know, and that's like. I have beers because we only get paid in beers. And it's like, yeah. beep. This one is, hey, guys, what is a man? Beep. And then we go on this long thing about what is a man. Then later we find out they say, what is a mansion versus a house? It's just what. <laughs> and like we go down this crazy rabbit hole of like, That's what does it fucking, mean to be a man? And we're yeah. like, 
at a bar like like because most of them are just are uh, like just dudes we know in townies where it's like to be at one time I fell in a hole and I fucking climbed out of it, man. <laughs> it's like fuck, <laughs> you know. Like and then like it's everybody has a different answer, but it all kind of boils down to putting others ahead of you and doing what needs to be done. That's why it was cool that you fucking really knew like you went right. For like what I believe is the truth. Well, fuck. Well, I, dude, you're one of the coolest men I know, and I and I. Oh, thanks, and dude, buddy. When you when I saw you were coming here, I saw it. I think I don't know where I saw it, but I think you guys maybe posted a picture on the plane or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. And I was like, oh shit, I wonder, I wonder if he's working, and that's why he's here. Oh, I, was, I hope he's not in like Bray Irvine. And then you texted me, you're like, let's podcast. Or, hey man, I'm in town, let's hang out. And I was like, dude, let's fucking podcast. We got a cast. The, the best thing about the cast is it's almost like the best way to reconnect with a friend because you just sit and talk like how fucking rare is that now it you know what man it is the truth and i think that's what the one thing that i had to find things i liked about this to become re-inspired by it a year ago in november literally a year ago to date practically and i was like and i and i remember going oh you know what i'll stop doing is i'll stop having people on because they have a podcast that's better than mine Right. Like I I would, I would, you know, you, you, it was all the fucking gameplay of like, of a podcast. And I was like, I'm just going to have on people that I want to hang out and talk with and, and I want to drink with and I just want to bullshit with or I want to listen to for a fucking hour. And, and dude, the one I did with Roy Wood was like, fucking amazing i did one with steve-o i've been dying to talk to that guy yeah and you can hear it in people's voices it's like why didn't they laugh i was the opposite almost i was getting too down the road of like no it's actually the the same i'm like okay i'm gonna play clips but i I don't want to play it too vulnerable because you know i want people to know that i'm a good comic and stuff but in reality i just like playing fucking bombs like when you hear me you hear me literally be like what do you people want from me like full-blown meltdowns yeah and i went back to that and i'm like fuck it Cause like I'll take a like a hour set and I'll take the three minutes of it that are fucking insane. Yeah, and I'll just analyze that. So I know there's people listening that are like, "Does this dude suck at stand up?" And like that would get to me. And I'm like, "No, I got to show how good I am." But not anymore. I like being like, "Listen to me, just fucking be in a state of chaos." Yeah. And then I analyze the human emotions. Like my last episode was called "Mercy versus uh, Revenge," where a heckler. This woman won't shut up and I'm bouncing back and forth between like, you know, being understanding and compassionate and just wanting to publicly execute her. And it's that like duality of human nature of like the difference between like wanting to just rip someone apart or wanting to give them another chance and like when you know what is right. Yeah. That's fucking fascinating. Cool, yeah, man. I appreciate it, man. Thank you Thank very you much. much. Yeah, good I'm shit. I'm glad you're out here with the fam. That's going to be about to head back to Brea. We'll get out now There you miss the fucking traffic Alright, later, man Thank you This episode was brought to you by The Machine